Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans and is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you'd call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride to the 2022 MLB preseason. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 52. Alex and I are coming to you live. It's Tuesday night, March 15th, just on uh, about less than 48 hours, Alex, before the games begin and we start spring training games. That's crazy. Uh, a nice, quick little spring training this year, of course, because of the lockout. We'll get about two and a half, about almost three weeks of games before the start of opening day is official. So I know pitchers and catchers as well as position players are all ramping up right now, probably speeding up their process uh, to get the season started. But today's episode, Alex and I will be talking basically about kind of the uh, the news from the last uh, podcast that we recorded. We're going to go over uh, some of the signings that have happened and also some of the big trades that have happened, some pretty wild ones the past couple of days. Uh, we'll cover that. We'll also go to we'll go over to basically the players that are still left. Uh, with games starting uh, in less than two days, there's a lot of big names. Still the biggest names on the market are still left without a home. We'll see if they can find someone to take them or they'll sign a deal in the next couple of days. We'll see if they might have to start uh, spring training games, you know, still as free agents. And, you know, the teams that they're going to be playing for are going to kind of have to, you know, move on without them. But these guys are going to be starting on whatever team they get uh, they get they get signed to. So. Exactly. So we'll talk about that, kind of give maybe our predictions a little bit more uh, news on that kind of stuff. And then starting today, Alex and I will be basically ranking our uh, our positions, one through 10, top 10 at every position. So today, Alex and I will be starting with the infield. We'll cover first, second, third base, and shortstop. Uh, and then, of course, later episodes, we'll be covering the other positions as well. But today, kind of ranking the top 10 of these positions. MLB Network's actually already started ranking them. Um, they've already given their first base and second base. So kind of interesting that me and Alex might have some pretty similar lists, but I can see us also, uh, you know, towards the end of the list, we could probably go towards another direction from what they call the shredder uh you know, gave and spit out their list. But yeah, I definitely want to kind of look at theirs and see, okay, like what uh, do I think they have wrong? What do they have right? That'd be kind of a fun talk. It would, it would be really, uh, I mean, I, it's funny because I, I love to see the fan vote and how awful it is it's, sometimes. It's crazy. It, it is really crazy. And then you go to the shredder, which actually computes all different t- all, all different takes of analysis when it comes to uh, ranking these people. They, uh, I think, I think it looks a lot into not just, of course, the last season, but also a couple seasons after. I think it looks maybe like into three seasons of kind of like your success. So if you've been, uh, if you've been trending downward for the past two or three years, it's probably going to punish you. But of course, if you had a big breakout year last year um, and you've had a couple good years, maybe 2020 and 2021, you did very well. It'll it'll actually uh, it'll it'll benefit to you and get you nice and nice and high on the rankings. But we'll kind of give you our input on what we see in the top ten for our list. But Alex, let's kind of kick it off. We'll start off by you know going over the moves that have been happening so far. Yep. So uh, the first big move that really happened after the lockout, Carlos Rodon to the San Francisco Giants, two years, forty four million. What's your take on that? And how do you how do you see this Giants rotation looking now? 
Yeah, I think it's a great piece to add to their rotation. Uh, I I personally am someone who was high on Rodon in the offseason. Um, the rate-based numbers are really good on him last year. Of course, did not pitch uh, quite a full season. Uh, had some injuries, some nagging injury later in the year. It was his first time in a long time pitching with that many innings. He really had several years in a row of being like in double-digit innings. So mm-hmm. he finally cracked triple digits, had to miss some time because of it. But I think as he gets used to that workload... Uh, assuming he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a very effective pitcher for them. I think he's going to be, you know, right behind Logan Webb as like, you know, a really good righty-lefty duo right there um, to start off like a series if they end up making the playoffs. So I do I, I do like the signing a lot. I like the pickup. Um, yeah, I, I think that the Giants kind of continue to... Uh, I mean, Rodon is, is you know, over 20 million uh, annual. That That's a good yeah. amount of money, but... That's they really don't really open the, the checkbook for massive massive contracts. They kind of just play smart. Um, almost a little bit of money ball going on over there, mm-hmm. uh, and I do think that it's a great uh, it's a great addition. I think that they continue to make smart moves and just kind of fly under the radar. I think their rotation stacks up really well. Um, I think I mean I'm not sure who's the best right now because there's still more moves to be made by other teams, but. Um, as of right now, I think it would have to be like, you know, top five in baseball. I'd have to, you know, check and see exactly where it stacks up. But overall, you know, when your fifth man and, and fourth man are guys like, you know, DeClefani and Cobb or, or Wood and Cobb, however you stack it up, there's pretty much no weaknesses. It's, yeah. it's like, it's like you know, multiple B B or B-plus guys with like some A, a guys on the top with Webb and uh and uh, of course, Rodon. So, Charles, what are your thoughts on the on the deal? Yeah, and I said, I think I said it to you earlier this week. I think the Giants might be one of the only um, might be one of the only rotations I would really rank every player from last season. You know, having like a B rating or higher. I mean, mm-hmm. really down the whole entire rotation, one through five. Even if you want to include a six guy, all the guys are proven to be very, very good. Logan Webb breakout year in the postseason as well. Uh, Carlos Rodon. You thought he was good last year. He's going to an extreme, extreme pitcher's ballpark. Yes. Really excited to see what he can bring there. Alex Cobb, a good ground ball uh, pitcher, going to a pitcher's ballpark in uh, in Oracle Park in San Francisco. So, again, I think he'll be successful. And then Di Sclafani and Alex Wood all had success last year as well. So it will be um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think we all knew going into the season the Giants are probably the best. The best look for them right now is probably the th- the three seed, you know, the th- probably third in the in the NL West. I can't really see them, uh, you know, ranking right now ahead of the Padres or the Dodgers just because of how much strength they have. The Padres have a lot of people coming back too, but this kind of puts them into a discussion where, you know, they could they could start sneaking their way into maybe like a six seed in the wild card. Uh, maybe there's three teams getting in in the NL West if they can compete. And I know that pitching staff, it's deep. And the bullpen as well, it's deep. So, you know, who knows? Anything can happen. Brandon Belt, Crawford, all those guys are back. They don't have Posey, but they still have a decently okay offense. Um, I'm ex- expecting, you know, Yastrzemski to come back strong as well. So we'll see with the Giants. Um, really excited to see kind of what they what they bring to the table this season. But um, Alex, now moving to the team that is just south of them. The LA Dodgers, they bring back Clayton Kershaw on a one-year deal. I think we were all expecting Dodgers or Rangers for Clayton Kershaw or possibly an early retirement. Would have been really weird to see him retire and go out like this because I feel like he he's proven everything in the world. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but just such a young age to go out. It's almost like a Sandy Koufax kind of deal where you're, you're, you didn't play a very long career, but you're a stud. He comes back to the Dodgers on a one-year deal. Uh, smart move, I think, for the Dodgers and for Clayton Kershaw. What do you make of that deal? 
Yeah, I think it's really a prove it deal. Kind of obvious since it's a one year deal. Um, he last year was pitching well. Uh, I never, I even though he's not in his you know peak prime anymore, I still think it's very fair to say he's not. There's no way you could say he's fallen off. You know, his numbers are still very elite. He's still a top top tier pitcher, but um, there was injury concerns last year towards the end. He actually missed, I think, all of the postseason, which. Yeah. Really made mm-hmm. the Scherzer acquisition like necessary. That's the only reason why they still made it to the to the NLCS. And of course, he even kind of flamed out because um, the lack of depth there in that starting rotation. So I think it's great for the Dodger fans to, to get him back. I think almost every Dodger fan says this is a franchise type guy. We really want him to be around as long as possible. I'm sure he's happy about staying. Uh, it's a great opportunity to win another World Series. Um, silence, silence more of the haters. You know, I think that. Uh, People who want to go to the Dodgers, it just makes sense. I mean, you're in LA, and they're probably the World Series favorites the yeah. last several years, mm-hmm. uh, and probably this coming season as well. They're at least up in that conversation, so um, it makes a lot of sense for him to want to be there. And the one year deal makes sense too because there's injury concerns. They don't want to commit like five years to a guy who might just never get his arm strength back if he, you know, yep. gets hurt again. So um, it makes lots of sense. I could see, you know. If maybe Dodgers have a great, really great run and he does okay, maybe he's okay with moving on next year. But maybe uh, he looks great and look like his like his past self, and they extend him even more. So lots of ways this, this could go, but um, makes a lot of sense on that deal. Yeah, I think the one year deal was something that was you know it, it was kind of in the cards. You you, you know most teams are not going to commit long term with him just because with the injuries and the setbacks they they want to see what he can bring one more season we'll see what happens maybe this is the last season of clayton kershaw be kind of weird but it could really be do you by chance have some breaking news there is breaking news yeah oh, travis no. saw it on my face good god breaking news live reaction travis anthony rizzo in agreement on a contract with the Yankees pending physical. So Rizzo is going back to be in pinstripes just like he was last season. Seems like that means they're kind of giving up on the Freeman sweepstakes. Freeman really uh, was kind of setting the market, I feel like. People were waiting to trade for Olsen. They were waiting to sign Rizzo because they wanted to see where Freeman was going to decide. Freeman's taking too long, and teams are making decisions without him. The Braves, we'll talk about it later, they made their move for their first baseman. That's right. Now the Yankees are doing the same thing. Maybe... People just kind of think, you know, we can't wait forever for Freeman to make up his mind. So, very interesting. Uh, Rizzo, Rizzo, back to the Bronx. First reaction, Travis. Uh, smart because they can't keep waiting for Freeman. I thought if getting Freeman, you're, Freeman is a good ball player, and I think he'll be a good ball player for the next couple seasons. But he is, you know, he's older. He's going to be older than 32, I think, this season. He's, and he's definitely older than 30. You just don't want to give a guy six, seven years when you know the contract's going to be ending and he's going to be 40 years old so i see why the yankees possibly don't want to give him that money and also i think they want to save up that money possibly for someone else we'll see what happens um but yeah you know i think rizzo is a smart safe choice to bring back he's going to be uh he, he was actually very good i think last year with the pinstripes when he came over um i think that most fans really liked him um i think he brought kind of a uh, uh you know i i, I think he he He's not the typical New York kinky kind of guy because I think he's just kind of a you know quieter kind of guy, not not too like loud mouth, uh, you know, not not like the Alex Rodriguez or that kind he, of thing. He, but he's super like jolly. He's always kind of happy, is. whereas a lot of Yankees seem kind of serious. Like I yes, think, yes, think like Brett yeah. Gardner just like kind of scowling on the bench. Exactly, you know? exactly. But, but I think he brought you first of all lefty bat, which is you know the Yankees famously 
you know, you have Hicks as like a switch hitter and then all these righties. Yes, yeah. So that's why they made the moves for Gallo and for, of course, uh, Rizzo at the at the trade deadline last year. Um, I'll add that uh, I think last year uh, he had some setbacks with COVID. Um, if I think mm-hmm. he, I think yeah. he got COVID, and I think he went on a bit of a slump at that time. So um, I think it's a great idea to give him a fresh season. What can you do for us? Um, he's the kind of guy who can either he can set the table like in the one or two hole. Mm-hmm. Or he can even back clean up if you need him to. Uh, kind of versatile there. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a good pickup. Good breaking news. Yeah, yeah. Some some yeah. some defense at first too, at least to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, former Gold Glove winner, so uh, yeah, I think that's a good deal. I think that most Yankee fans, a lot of them, probably really were hoping for this offseason to get Freeman or Olson. Mm-hmm. But I think Rizzo, considering also the other moves they made, good consolation prize, and I'm sure they could even make some more moves if they needed to. So they really could, and I think that they were. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it in a little bit with kind of what the trades that they got uh, going for the past couple of days, but they definitely were making some moves that I think Yankee fans themselves were kind of questioning and were wondering what what are we going to look like this season. So um, at least getting Rizzo back, I think, is a very good piece. Um, kind of shifting to uh, basically the team across the town, the New York Mets, Chris Bassett. They made the first big trade. I feel like of this um, of this off season, or at least the second off season. Off season, I'll say with the lockout, um, Oakland A's are dumping their players. They are basically in full rebuild mode. Smart choice, I think, for them. I think they knew that their time was pretty much over last season, finishing third, still over five hundred. But I think that they know that they're 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 running a championship with the core group of players is probably ending. And so Chris Bassett goes to the New York Mets. Alex Degrom. Scherzer, Bassett, that is really dangerous, a one, two, three punch. So what do you think of that? Yeah, Bassett is probably the best third pitcher that I can think of. Uh, maybe outside of like a Freddie Peralta, but like pretty similar. Like like one of the best, like third best guys in a rotation you can think of uh, in baseball right now. Uh I think that it makes sense, like you said, why the A's are selling. Uh overall this is a good time to do it because there's still a couple years on the Olsen deal, a couple years on the uh, Chapman deal. So you're going to get a bit more return prospect wise. If the team that's receiving these guys are going to have a little bit more uh, years of control. So it's, it, it makes sense. We kind of saw it coming. We saw the A's uh, fire sale coming. Bassett was the first to go. Uh, other pitchers may follow suit, but overall it's a big boost for the Mets pitching. I think it makes the rotation um, definitely one of the best. It's it's kind of top heavy because I'm not huge on Carrasco at this point of his career, and I'm not huge on uh, Taiwan Walker. Yeah. He, Taiwan Walker definitely has the upside. The he, first half was good. The second half was I think a ten ERA. It was yeah, it was pretty it, bad. It, yeah. it, it's very um, unpredictable with him. There's not a level of consistency. But when your one two three is two Cy Young contenders and a very, very good, like, all-star caliber pitcher in Bassett, um, it's kind of okay. And then I think a young up-and-cover Miguel could even end up in the rotation by the end of the year. Or I'm not sure if they're – I assume they'll do a five-man rotation. Um, Miguel probably slides in there yep. at some point. Um, so, overall, they already got a lot of bats this offseason. Now they're getting uh, more pitching to mm-hmm. add with Scherzer. So, good deal for the Mets. Uh, it feels like an arms race is building between the Mets and the Braves. We'll get to the Braves more later. But I'm excited to see how that division shapes up uh, because uh, you essentially have these two teams saying the division is up for grabs and they're both going for it. So it's, it's really cool. And we'll talk about that later and also talk about, you know, I think the next team up has got to be the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies are looking at this and I think their fans are probably screaming at 
you know, we got to make a move. We got to make a serious yep. move if we want to even compete. And I there's, wonder what Bryce hole, Harper. There's holes to fill. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the other teams in your division are taking advantage of, you exactly. know, their owners want to spend money. So exactly. So, uh, and, and that was kind of, I guess, the big start of the, uh, of the trade block for the, I guess, the second lockout, we'll call it. Uh, Alex, a, kind of a crazy scenario that happened throughout the weekend. Uh, you had Mitch Garver go from the Twins to the Rangers. And in return, the Rangers gave up Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, gold glove shortstop, to the Twins. Kind of really a, a under-the-radar kind of deal. Nothing really too much to think about. But then you see the Twins end up moving expensive Josh Donaldson from third base and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa over to the New York Yankees. Yes. And in Big return, swap. they get Gary Sanchez and the third baseman, Gio Urshela. I just lost my head. Gio Urshela. That's right. Uh, Gio Urshela. So now, I guess it's kind of a, a, a it's it's an interesting move for the Twins. And then, of course, you get a trade with the Reds and you get Sonny Gray. So I guess out of all that, we won't talk about the Rangers getting Mitch Garver. I think it's a good move. Mitch Garver is a very good catcher. Um, they definitely got a plus at the catching position. A guy, he could probably even pop 30 home runs out of the ballpark this year in Arlington. But Twins. I mean, I mean, first of all, sorry, the Twins. What do you make of that? Getting Sonny Gray, getting Gary Sanchez, getting Gio Urshela. I'm definitely confused. I'm confused by the direction. The offseason is not over yet, so maybe that's it's not fair to judge an incomplete assignment yet. But I do think that uh, I thought, okay, they're trading Garber for kind of Falefa. Falefa's younger. There's more control there. They can probably start. You just want defense, yeah. You can like just start building around some younger group of guys. Uh, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, they're actually going to trade for guys who are kind of like no longer young anymore. Like Urshela and Sanchez are, you know, uh, they've kind of been there, done that. So it's like, wait, are you trying to win now? Yeah. And so it's definitely confusing. Um, the White Sox are definitely the, the heavy favorite for the division. The Twins definitely could challenge a wild card spot if they make some more moves, but the Tigers are still a team that's got to be, you know, they're lurking as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, and you can't give it. You can't give up on the Guardians. The Guardians are could could easily be five hundred this year. You know. Yeah, so it really just draws. Uh, it just draws confusion for me. I guess like Sonny Gray, very good pitcher. So you trade for him, but then you, you know, is 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 yeah. is, is, <laughs> is is the acquisitions of Sonny Gray, uh, Gio Urshela. Gary Sanchez, like that championship or like even that playoff push move. Yeah. Not really. I think they need to make something else. Uh, there's been whispers, you know, we'll talk about our predictions later, but there's been whispers about story, you know, could uh, want to go there. I think they might be pursuing a guy like story. So honestly, like if they could get like a story or Correa, then all of a sudden, okay, maybe this team actually has a chance to be a real playoff. But um, I don't think Correa would really, you know, plan on going there so i, I think korea is done i think story is the only person they'd actually you know and, and, be and a high and offer something to, like yeah. that something like that's possible but yeah at the end of the day um very hard to grade their moves so far um i guess i'm excited to see how they continue their uh off season i think that they're probably not done making moves if they finished right here very odd off season for the fans yeah. but at least you got some new faces i guess but um yeah uh I guess also getting off the Donaldson contract is, is a big deal for their flexibility. They can now pay a shortstop if they want to, but 
um, remains to be seen. We'll have to see what we'll to see how, how they finish up the offseason, I guess. We do have to see. And I will say, um, I, I though, I, Girochella, good third baseman. I think Yankees are going to be missing him. Um, I think he was one of their guys that they could really depend on that wasn't, you know, getting a ton of money. So if he was slumping, then, you know, Yankee fans would at least be okay with that because we're not paying him a lot of money. Uh, unlike, you know, like a Stanton or a Cole, where if you're paying the guy 30 million, you know, he better perform. But, uh, Gary Sanchez, I know, I think Yankees really wanted him out of there. He is one guy I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing what he can do in a smaller market. You know, you go back to, I think, 2016 when he debuted. I think he had like a 17, 17 home runs in like, I think it was either a month and a half or two months. And it was just like, where did this come from? This yeah. guy literally is just rookie. And he's honestly one of the best power hitting catchers of the season so far. And, and, and you, you really wish you can get back to that uh, kind of player. But defense has just been kind of awful i feel like and then of course the hitting has just not picked up at all still a home run hitter but that's always going to offer he's not going to offer average plate discipline walks anything like that he's swinging for the fences and so if he's not making contact he's really not a uh a very valuable player for uh for a baseball team a team that wants to win at least so um that's kind of how I, I've, I've looked at that. I mean, I think the Twins are, are they shouldn't be done yet. If, if, if they are, then you're right. I think it's just kind of like you got Donaldson off the contract, which is, I guess, is the plus. But, I mean, I feel like you're staying even or getting worse, but we'll see. So um, let's look at that yeah. move from the Yankees' perspective then. So they're getting Donaldson and Kiner Falefa for Urshela and Sanchez. Also to mention, I forget his name. I wish I had it in front of me, but uh, – uh, a ben, young, a ben, young, ben Rort, Rort Veld or It's definitely yeah, a weird, yeah. uh, hard name to pronounce, yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess there is some upside there with him going to the catcher position. I assume he will be a backup to Higashioka. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that adding Donaldson's power to the lineup is definitely going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. He's going to put up numbers in the Bronx for sure. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, he has still has the power. He's not the same player as he was in 2015, but the power is not left at all. Um, the average might have gone down a bit, but I think the Yankees are well, uh, very okay with that. Kiner Falefa, I guess as it stands right now, would be the starting shortstop. Uh, if that you know continues to be the case, um, a good defender. Uh, the bat is not going to be amazing, but it's uh, you're getting you're getting the exact opposite of Gleyber Torres. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, and it's 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 almost funny. It's like if you need the defense on a certain day, you can go you can go with kind of Falefa. If you need the offense uh, in a pinch hit role or something like that, you can put in Torres. Yeah, not sure how they're gonna pl plan that because Travis. So now you have Rizzo, and you have DJ, Torres, kind of Falefa, Donaldson. So you have five main infielders. Mm -hmm. So are you benching Torres and having DJ play second? I mean, are you doing a yeah. are you going to do a platoon with like Rizzo and Lemayhu? No, because you want Rizzo every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think you're going to have to bench Torres and just see if he can maybe get hot at some point of the season. Maybe you can start rolling him out at a starting position. But I mean, you're paying Lemayhu good money, and now you got Rizzo, so he's going to be the first baseman, and then. I don't even know what what they're doing with Voight. I mean, is is Voight going to be a DH now, or is he just going to be? I've I've always thought they should DH him and have Stan be playing left field. Stan is is Stan. When you think of him, you think of DH, but he yeah. is not a slouch in the outfield. He's not a JD Martinez. Yeah. He actually still has some speed out there. Uh, he actually won Gold Gloves at some point in his career. He's still not not that, not that guy anymore, but he definitely is no slouch. Um, and I would say you could probably put Gallo or Judge in center if needed, but. 
but then you got Hicks too, and it's kind of. It, it, I feel like the, I feel like the Yankees have. It's not a bad problem, but they have a lot of players that There's could some, be valuable on other teams. So who knows? They can they could possibly get some trades going right now where Voit and Galaber could be in a package for you know. Combine them with a pitching prospect, you can get yourself a Luis Castillo, something yeah, like you're that. You're so right. You know? You're so right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. With that being said, uh, I I think benching torres or maybe bench because i don't think they want torres at short i think last year there was there was I, too many there was too many not. errors right <laughs> yeah, so yeah they started using him at second base with lemayhu at third but now you have donaldson definitely an interesting scenario for them but aaron boone i'm sure has some sort of plan uh, going forwards um interesting to see if the yankees are done uh i think they probably are probably not but yeah it's gonna be exciting to see i guess how their roster con- continues to shape up um what's next on the on the chopping block so yeah kind of the next big move alex uh before we cover just a couple of like minor moves but the big one was matt olson um, of course i know i think i've been talking about it we've been talking about it for months now um it's just a move that made sense matt olson you know born and raised in the atlanta area um it, it what a crazy 24 hours since he got traded because you saw the interviews with uh, the GM for the Braves. I think it's Anthopolis. Yeah. Um, and you saw how upset he was. He couldn't bring Freddie back. And I think he actually was like, you know, holding back some tears in front of the press. He was so upset he couldn't bring Freddie back. Freddie is such an important piece to that organization and that World Series championship. But he got the next big thing for a cheap, cheap option. And that's Matt Olson. Great defense. Great, great slugger. I really cannot see how many... How many balls he's going to hit against or over the chop house this season in Atlanta? Um, but Alex, you don't, you don't, you, you get the trade, you, you trade him, but then today you sign him, you extend him. He is now going to be there for eight years and he's going to be making, I think, a little bit shy of 170 million in the deal, the total deal. You're looking at only 21 million AAV. I mean, what is it with the Braves and just winning these contracts? I mean, between him, Albies, and Acuna, I think I did the math today. From 24, 20, 2024 to 2026, all three of those players combined, less than $40 million you're spending on that. For three All-Stars. I, I, for three All-Stars. Acuna, I, I, I mean, a guy that should be getting paid almost $400 million, and he is just running away at the steal. Eight years, $100 million deal that he made, I think, four or five years ago. Uh, not five years ago, but I mean, I mean, like three or four years ago. But, I mean, I mean, just pretty incredible for what the GM has been able to do with these just these steals. I mean, he did have to trade away Christian Pache. We thought he'd be, of course, a, a valuable piece moving forward for the Braves outfield. Now he's going to be on the Oakland A's. He'll probably haunt us in a couple of years. We'll see. That's right. Uh, <laughs> as everyone does. But, um, I mean, the Braves. I mean, the Braves are still looking really nice. And they got Matt Olson and they got him on a cheaper deal. So, I mean, I, I it, it sucks. But as a Braves fan and as a business person, it's it's a win. It's, it, it is a home run right now. Right. Yes. I, I, I want to echo what you said. It is really insane how they are able to get some very team-friendly deals the albies and the acuna uh almost makes some more sense because they were young latin american players who didn't have like a secure future in the league i guess take the money exactly yeah the mindset is like am i gonna really turn down like you know in in acuna's case like you know 100 million dollars for you know even though if I wait a couple of years, I'll get paid more. Am I really going to risk that and not get the guaranteed, you know, I'm guaranteed rich. My family is set forever exactly. and all my grandkids and everyone in my, in my, in my hometown is, is going to be set. Yeah. Uh, if I don't ter- accept this. So 
uh, same thing for Albies. It was less money than Acuna, of course, but still it was guaranteed uh, millions and millions. So yeah. it made sense for him to take that too. But you look at hindsight now, and they are extremely team-friendly deals. You could say that they're underpaid as stars in this league. Um, Olsen, it confuses me a little bit more because he was going to get paid no matter what. If he just waited till he was a free agent in two off seasons, he was going to get big money. Um, Over 200 mil. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I, and you almost think he could wait for the Freeman contract he's about to, Freeman's about to get and uh, say in a couple of years, like, I want Freeman contract but a little bit more because I'm yeah. in my prime still and Freeman, I'm was, younger, yeah. Freeman was a bit older at the time. So uh, very interesting that he is opting for, I guess, the guaranteed money right here, right now. I think part of it is that he's just very happy to be in Atlanta, the city, because like we said, he is from there. Because he's from there, uh, probably more happy to stick around for the long haul. I'm still surprised he took that low of a AAV, but they probably convinced him that you know we can still make some more moves if you sign this t- deal. We think you're gonna we're gonna take care of you, and uh, you know things go on. Travis, they also added Colin McHugh, who was a relief pitcher who was on the Rays last year, one of the Rays' best last season. He also took an incredibly team-friendly deal i feel like two years 10 million guaranteed money um so 5 million aav for a reliever that was had as good of a 2021 as he had i feel like he could have got more too um at least a bit more it really it's it, it's 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 coming to the point where people are making jokes online about what are the braves doing to get these players to accept these deals you know threatening uh, it, 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 <laughs> it, it it's very it's very you know it's a lot of silly jokes but in all honesty uh i have no idea why so many team friendly deals are going their way i feel like um i don't know i guess maybe just a great obviously we love the gm is Super respected because of those trades he made to help win the World Series, getting guys like Peterson, Soler, Rosario, of course, getting Duvall back. Um, obviously a very smart GM, but how does he get these guys to take this kind of money? I do not know, but it's great for the Braves fans. Their team is looking like it's gearing up to try to run it back. Yeah, I uh, really impressed with that. I mean, I, I, I think in my dream scenario, I was always saying to myself, man, if they could trade... Um, Dansby Swanson over to, you know, the Oakland A's format, Olsen, a couple other guys as well. But then, of course, go out there and get a Correa or a story. That would be like the most dream worthy infield I could think of right now. And probably one of the best infields in baseball um, with just how much hype that infield brings. But uh, yeah, interesting, interesting day that able to trade for Matt, Matt, or Matt Olsen and now you're able to extend him on such a low deal. Uh, just really, really insane. Alex will kind of move quickly over to a couple last deals that have been happening the past couple days. Uh, another big trade that happened, the Reds, of course, sending uh, a couple big names over to the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners, of course, keeping to make moves. They got Adam Frazier from the Padres. They signed Robbie Ray. Um, they're still in talks with, with a couple other free agents, but now they bring over outfielder Jesse Winker and infield third baseman, also a shortstop as well, Eugenio Suarez, who was a complete slugger in 2019. I think he honestly might have led the NL in home runs. It was it was up there. He was in the 40s. Um, but Jesse Winker, as of recent, you know, last year, top six in OPS when you look at the entire MLB. So honestly, a good, good move by the Mariners. And we'll kind of see how this really helps them out with the entirety of the whole entire team. But what do you make of that for Seattle? What, what, what do you really think about Seattle now 
going into the season. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you're adding some veterans that will probably hold you over until other young guys are ready. They Mariners, uh, like top 10 prospects, are just full with just guys with really high upside. An infielder named uh, Kirby, I know, is is highly anticipated. Um, Trammell, an outfielder. Uh, I guess they're kind of saying, you know, let's get some veterans to hold us over until those guys are, you know, ready to be in the league. Um, so with that in mind, I'm kind of thinking that uh, this is a they're not going to push for like being all in right now, but they're going to push to be competitive. They want to stay competitive by keeping their options open. So essentially they're adding a third baseman and left fielder. Those were some uh, potential holes they had going into the season. And people ha- kind of had them linked to a guy like Chris Bryant because yep. he fills those exact holes. But with this signing, I feel like they're probably out of that sweepstakes. It yeah. makes sense that they would be out of that sweepstakes. So, um, it feels like they're almost kind of set with their team. They got a pitcher in Ray. Mm-hmm. They got this big trade to get some more bats in the lineup. Um, they, they got Adam Frazier kind of can play a bunch of utility spots. So. Sure, yeah. He can either be a starting second baseman or first guy off the bench kind of guy. Um, I think that uh, they are probably almost done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could still do something small here or there, add some bullpen. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I think that they're gearing up to be a solid team. I think do think that they're going to go into the season a bit overrated because of how they performed last year. But um, a negative run differential team in 2021, it almost became a joke to the point of how they were getting outscored on average every game by a, a decent amount. And then probably winning by one. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then, yeah, they win the, they win the close games and they, they get blown out and it ends up uh, accumulating to like an 89 or 88 win season, whatever, whatever it ended up being. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that there's definitely some promise. I think the fans have every right to be happy about the deal. The Reds fans, on the other hand, Travis, uh, it seems like they're either just in sell mode, right? The, yeah. the Reds are going to be in sell mode. We already talked about Sonny Gray traded to the Twins. Now Winker and Suarez, they're just cutting bigger contracts, sending them away to the American League, essentially. Uh, you'd almost think that the next guys do are Luis Castillo and... Uh, Tyler Malley even is is a good option for, uh, I guess, trade bait and see what they can get for those, you know, good pitchers. But they could hold on to some of those types of guys, too, if they just want to be like, oh, fans, don't worry. We're not going to completely tank. Yeah. But um, <laughs> my mindset's always been tank or don't. Like, yeah. don't don't linger in the middle because you want the fans to think something or, you know. If, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna trade away everyone's favorite players just you know kind of give me give own, me a lot of good it. prospects just so they can all it. yeah they can all grow with jonathan india and you know you right. know, jonathan india is probably gonna be the future so uh that's the way i kind of look at it too but um quick, quick trivia question travis it's not really trivia i don't expect you to get this because it's definitely kind of cra- i'll get it yeah no worries yeah. it's definitely kind of crazy who do you think is the sixth highest paid reds player right now on their team Sixth, the sixth highest played okay, player yeah. by the Reds. That's yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, I, I probably it's not. I mean, Votto is probably number one. Yeah, something like that. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would I'm probably. Gonna, I'm trying to cut to the chase. Okay. Yeah. It's Ken Griffey Jr. Oh really? I you know what? I saw something weird about that on Twitter. His his, his sal- I guess his uh, his pay was like extended out, like they did like almost a Bobby Bonilla Bo- kind of thing. Yeah. But it's crazy how they're three million and change that they, they owe. Ken Griffey every year is sixth <laughs> uh, is six on their team. Yeah. There's only five guys getting paid more than that little like sum that's being extended out. So Jeez. they're really in sell mode. Like we kind of said, yeah. um, it probably continues. I hope that they continue because yeah. uh, as an angels fan, Travis, we would love to trade them for some pitching, but 
we'll see how that goes. We'll do some exchanging with them, but yeah. Uh, some last kind of big moves, I guess, that happened uh, throughout the weekend and, of course, earlier this week. Um, Kikuchi, the uh, Seattle Mariners yes. pitcher going to the Toronto Blue Jays. Right. Um, the Chicago White Sox making a couple deals. Joe Kelly going to their bullpen. Uh, really nice fit, I think, there. As well as Josh Harrison going to be playing some infield, probably second base for them as well. So uh, that's what the White Sox did. And then uh, Nationals, one-year deal for Nelson Cruz. Uh, again, kind of a— One of the more surprising ones. Again, yeah, interesting one. I think it's just kind of bringing uh, uh, you know, a big name to the— uh, to the DH role for the Nats. It'll be fun to see maybe him and Soto. Maybe they can get a little bit of a juice going. Uh, you know, uh, it would be really cool to see those guys kind of go off, but we'll see what happens there. And then also uh, McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon, going to be going to Milwaukee, uh, going to be a part of that outfield. So uh, a good veteran piece, uh, hopefully can provide some good offense for that team because that's what they're really struggling to get. I don't really know if they've done enough to really be a – good offensive team we'll have to see the pitching i think will still carry them a long way um there's really no no problem with that i think the pitching will definitely uh take them to another division title most likely but yeah that i, I mean that you you would have liked to have seen them get a guy like chris bryant castellanos schwarber um, schwarber you know someone who can at least big. pop some home runs out of that ballpark because they they're losing obviously garcia and they, they are, of course, gaining Hunter Renfro, so yes. he's another nice piece. But, you know, if if Yelich can't go back to that old form, you know, we, we really don't know what to get from the uh, from the Brewers as a whole. But um, from those deals, Alex, you know, I guess which one uh, are, are you you liking the most? Um, yeah, I, I, I just want to echo what you said about the Bra- about the Brewers, rather. Um, they need to do more. I really want them to be a real world series contender. Yeah. McCutcheon is a good piece to have, maybe like a platoon hitter or a bench bat. But if you know, right now the outfield is looking like Renfro, Yelich, and McCutcheon. Like that doesn't shave up to be uh star stud enough for me unless Yelich becomes an MVP again, which uh if we're being honest, it's unlikely he, you know, just jumps back into old form. Mm-hmm. So let's just imagine he is a solid player and let's imagine Renfro is a solid player and McCutcheon is a you know a solid player, but uh they need more I think more bats. Um, I think all their fans want them to add some more bats. Um, I don't think they're out for a guy like Freeman. It's unlikely, of course, but mm-hmm. you know, either a Freeman or a Schwarber type, like you said, Bryant would be a good add too. He would add he would add some defensive versatility. Could play third, first, and outfield. Um, but yeah, I think that they uh, need to do more. Uh, another move that you mentioned that I do like. Uh, well, I, I'll actually go to one I'm not so sure about is the Blue Jays getting Kikuchi. Kikuchi is someone who I was pretty high on. He had a really rough 2021 in the second half, especially after the whole spider tack sticky yeah. stuff ban. His numbers actually got worse. And now he's going to the AL East, which to me seems like a recipe for a high ERA for him, I think. Um, I'm not sure how he'll produce. He's going to be like their fifth guy in the rotation, so it's yeah. not like a huge like deal breaker. They're not riding on him too hard, but um, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm not too high on that deal. Nelson Cruz probably just going to be like a trade piece for the Nationals at the deadline, Very I would true. assume. They could get a prospect for him, but they are paying, I think it was, what, $15 million? One year, $15 million. So they're giving crazy. Him, they're, giving a per, they're giving a pay raise. I mean, I, I think he was getting, uh, I think he was getting one year, $10 million last year, so... And he, it, and he had a solid. He was doing a solid with the Twins. He goes to the Rays and does, kind of falls off. Does yeah. a does a good bit worse, 
and somehow gets the raise. But, you know, I mean, I guess they have to have some extra pocket change and they wanted to, you know, give the fans some reason to come out and say, okay, maybe I can watch Cruz and Soto go yeah. back to back tonight. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And hopefully see Strasburg stay healthy. So uh, that kind of sums up, I guess, the, the big acquisitions. We're still, of course, waiting for the big ones, Alex, and we'll kind of move to that right now. Um, well, actually, we'll jump into uh, some kind of some uh, concerning news, but just, you know, it, it was it was kind of a scare on Monday. Um, you know, we found out Tatis is going to be missing. I think it's three months of the season motorcycle accident. I know I know you, uh, you you're, you're high on, on him, you know, riding the motorcycles, Alex. But yeah, uh, I, I, I just essentially I think that's just I told Travis, I think someone needs to kind of just talk to him and be like, you know. You you really I mean Tatis you look, he, at, you look he, at the numbers he got his money which he he's happy about that but I think with these kind of incidences the Padres can take money away because if it's non related baseball injury like this I'm pretty sure if they go to like a court court of like law they can possibly say like okay you're doing something stupid and definitely now you're putting it, our yeah you know you're putting our money on the line so yeah it, it's not yeah it's not like he's guaranteed to get three hundred million no matter what happens yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I think that he really does have a chance to be like a uh, all-time great, like Hall of Fame player. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, seeing that he's breaking bones on motorcycles <laughs> in the off season and, and multiple instances, yeah, yeah. For those that didn't hear, a reporter asked him when did the accident happen, and he said which one. So you're getting in <laughs> multiple motorcycle accidents in the off season. It's definitely just not a good look when a team has just, you know, committed all that money to you. Um, besides the team, you know, I mean, screw the team. The fans really care for you to be a really great player. They're all rooting for you. And and, and I'm sure, Travis, he is disappointed uh, that he's missing games. So it's not like he's, And then he you can't know, ride a motorcycle better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but <laughs> all, all I'm trying to say is um, I think that someone should uh, help him wisen up and just, you know, you can have plenty of fun in the offseason. Just be safe for be safer about it. Don't get into multiple motorcycle accidents yeah. in the same offseason. Yeah. If, if 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 you got into like two or three motorcycle accidents every offseason, you're gonna have a shorter career than if you did not do that. Yeah. So yeah. It, uh, I'm just hoping for him to, I guess you know, figure things out and uh, be healthy on the field. Hopefully. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the uh, incident with I think Madison Bumgarner where he got like in an accident on his ranch with his like four wheeler quad and he like tipped it over and it's just kind of like, what, what are you, what are you doing on your, like, I, I don't know where, I think the ranch was actually somewhere in California, but it's just like, come on, man. Like, you know, or, or I think it was also uh Java Chamberlain who got hurt on his trampoline with his kids. And oh, like, yeah. he like, I, I think he just like tore something and it was just like, I mean, it's, I mean, you're, you're playing with your kids. I mean, good for you and all that stuff, but it's just like, come on guys. Like we're really getting injured right now, you know, on these little, you know, stupid activities, but you know what? whatever i think he'll learn from it and i think that the potters will probably sit him down and say we're gonna add no motorcycle in your claws uh if we see you on one again you void the contract but uh that was uh that was one of the uh less uh, less concerning news than the the next thing i'm about to say uh pete alonzo uh in a pretty serious car accident on monday his actually his his uh ford super duty truck I think that he said three rolls, three tumbles, uh, a car blew a red light and basically T-boned him and uh, did a couple rolls on one of the highways in Florida. And he's all OK, which is kind of crazy. He's still doing baseball activities. But, you know, he definitely made it clear, you know, take every day, um, you know, slowly tell the ones that you love that they love that, you know, you love them, all that kind of stuff, because you don't know when that's going to, you know, 
you don't know when your life's going to end like that. And so, uh, and, I, and the funniest thing was at the end, his message was, uh, thank you to Ford engineering. So uh, I, I think Ford, uh, trucks and, uh, company of the Ford, the, the Ford company right now might be using that as a slogan for their next commercial with Pete Alonzo. So, uh, could be interesting to see that as a marketing campaign later on, but uh, really happy and fortunate to see that he's okay. That would be that would definitely be a really tough start to the season if, of course, he got injured or much much worse. So uh, good to see him, uh, you know, all healthy again. I'm pretty sure the Mets are happy to see him as well. So he, yeah, he's someone you know, obviously super glad that he is safe and healthy and that could have been really bad he said he felt like he's kind of escaped with his life had to kick the windshield out which is i can't even imagine being in, a, <laughs> being in that scenario but um yeah i'm just glad that you know he tries low-key someone worth probably betting on this season uh things are going Very his true. way so far but um yeah i think that uh you know pete is ready to play ball and that's what that's what's most important i guess a couple a couple of big all-stars uh yeah just need to yeah, need to the, the home run derby king needs to uh, yeah make sure that uh, you know he's we, we see him this off season exactly or sorry this uh, this all star uh, weekend exactly exactly so that kind of sums up that with uh, you know the news of the trades and the free agents and of course some of the little scares but um, Alex let's quickly get into the free agents left still on the market yes. and of course they're the biggest names we have Freddie Freeman Carlos Correa Trevor Story Chris Bryant Nicholas Castellanos Kenley Jansen. Kyle Schwarber and also Jorge Soler. So I guess we'll kind of start with the top. Let's uh, let's move to the Freddie Freeman market. I know teams have been linked: the Rays, the Yankees, probably not anymore, of course. And you know, right now with the Rizzo signing, but the Rays, the Red Sox, a little bit, also the Blue Jays. So the AL East has really kind of kept in it when it comes to acquiring someone like Freddie Freeman, and of course the Dodgers. The Dodgers, I think, are the biggest favorites to sign him, but. My biggest concern is, you know, why has it not been done already? You know, you, you feel like after the Olsen acquisition from the Braves, you would have thought that the, the Dodgers would have signed him in the first in the next four hours or so, because it's like, OK, he's not going back to Atlanta. That's clear. That hasn't happened yet. So right. there could be something stalling. There could be another team kind of waiting or lurking. Um, I mean, what do you kind of see from that right now? Yeah. So my my opinion on it is this. I think you're exactly right when you say, why is it stalling? There has to be a reason. I think there is a reason. Uh, I think the Dodgers are doing what they've always done, which is they want, except for, you know, there's some cases where like Mookie Betts, they just paid him for 10 years. But yeah. in, in lots of cases, uh, a lot of their offers are short year number with high AAV because their owner is down to spend money, get towards that cap, even go over it. Um, and they don't want to give them a long guaranteed deal because they want to be able to continue to contend every offseason. They can kind of retool with whoever expires. They can, okay, we can resign them or we can let them go. They kind of want the constant, they want constant expiring deals so they can retool if needed. So I heard something about their offer to Freeman being something around like four years, but like high AAV. I imagine that other teams like the Blue Jays, uh, maybe even like the Red Sox, not sure are probably offering more years less AAV and it's really down to him saying do I want to get a shorter deal which would be Dodgers but have a probably a better chance for the World Series mm -hmm. this year at least and, and go be home and you, you of course you're at home that's a huge factor a huge plus um, or go to the Blue Jays or another team like them who's offering me more long-term uh, security I will be in the bigs for at least you know six years whatever the whatever the offer might be yeah. it's going to be in a more extended amount of time um it's really up to him what does he want i mean if he goes to a team like the blue jays or the red sox like we said 
you are getting, you know, at least somewhat team that is going to try to be a contender. Might not be Dodgers where they're number one favorites, but honestly, in a couple of years, the Blue Jays could be that team where they are yeah. the number one favorites. So um, it's very interesting. I do think if I had to lean some way, I feel like the Dodgers are always the safe pick yeah. of who I, who's going to land this guy. But I'm going to go ahead. And, I'm going to go ahead and say Toronto. I think that going to the Blue Jays, um, it'll be more guaranteed years. And if he can just kind of get them to increase the AAV a little bit, um, I think he will pick them. They have a really bright future, and he is Canadian, right? So yeah, played another, for Team an, Canada an, in 2017. Another, just another bonus to. Uh, to I guess uh, going back to your your home country, so yeah, and uh, and his agent is George Springer's agent, so there's some connectability there when it comes to you that's know, interesting. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I saw some of that a couple of days ago, or maybe it was today that um, it was heating up when I with all that kind of stuff, and the agents are the same people. So, uh, so imagine a lineup. I mean, because because he will immediately replace Simeon's production and then some. Uh, imagine yeah, a lineup looking like uh, Springer, Freeman, Guerrero. Teoscar Hernandez, like that's a really Bichette, power yeah. hitting top four. Yeah. Then you have Bichette. You, you keep going down. Uh, yeah. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Of yeah. course, uh, it's gonna be a really it could, potential for a really stacked team if they do land a big move like this. Um, what, what what I like about it is that he is gonna be the older guy on on the team, and the team is so young still that I feel like it can afford to have a guy who's getting older and older and older, but be that good veteran for all those young guys. Um, I, I really don't and the see lefty it. Bat, I think exactly. And I, and I don't see it being a big problem for them to, uh, have a guy that could age, even if the, even if they gave him five years, you know, even if he gets up there towards 38, uh, 37, 38 years old with the ending of his contract, I, I, I still feel he'll be somewhat of a productive player. And I feel like that would not be a huge loss because I know that the Blue Jays plan on playing in some pretty big games in probably the next three years. And Freddie Freeman has been a big time performer. So Hey, you might as well get him because he's proven to be uh, clutch in the playoffs as he was this year. So I couldn't agree more with you with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see the numbers he puts up in the AL East, of course, a super offensive division. Kind Plus of that always infield. has been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plus that infield. I mean, it, it would you definitely would have to hope that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets better defensively. And I think he will just just more and more reps. But if he were to move back to third base, which he started out with, um, it'd be you'd have to see him, of course, get. Uh, you know, a little, little more defensive savvy than he was at first base because I think that's what one thing that was you could say is his biggest weakness is the defense part. We, we saw him drop a couple pop flies last year, and it was it just kind of was like you know, you're I don't care about that. I care about his hitting, and his hitting is probably one of the best on the planet. So um, that kind of sums up Freddie Freeman, Alex. We'll move to the, we'll move to the shortstops, Correa, Story. I mean, what do you what do you make of these two left right now? Yeah. So the pulse of the league and the media and what people are saying. Right now, the momentum is Correa to Houston, is what people are talking about a lot. Which pains me. Um, yeah. I feel like it probably doesn't happen. That's my gut. Really? Okay. Um, I just feel like I know what their offer was before, and it was just so far from what makes any sense at all. Yeah. So if they, they have to go a hundred million plus over that they that they already offered him both times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They would have to increase. They'd have to like almost double their offer. Yeah. And I think there's a I think there's a, some chance that it, it's a very small chance, but there's some chance that Korea takes some sort of like seven year deal with like an opt out in two years, and like says very true. maybe maybe the Astros window can last a couple more years, and then 
I can opt out and join free agency again. But if I were him, you you got to get your contract right now because yeah. you just had your year. Exactly. This is the year where you're going to get paid the best. Some people think you're the best shortstop in baseball right now. That might not be the case in a couple years. You know, Lindor, all of a sudden, things changed. He was no longer the best shortstop. Yeah. Story might have been the best for a year or two. People aren't saying that right now about him. So mm-hmm. because of stuff like that, um, I'm thinking that he – I'd advise him, not that he cares what I think, but <laughs> I would advise you, Carlos, to uh, try to get your maximum amount of money right now. Don't settle. Um, I'm not sure who's going to be the team to give him that. Yeah. I still think that some teams that have not made a huge, huge move yet, I'm thinking Phillies. Uh, I'm thinking Angels. Obviously, I want that to happen, so yeah. I don't, don't want to yeah. be biased, but in reality, the Angels – have I think the Angels have a projected like forty or fifty million that they have considering the new CBA deal mm. that they have not spent yet this season. They got season. money. I know. I know so they got it, money, yeah. it, if they just were to leave that empty or like not use that uh, that space they have, I'd be pretty surprised. Yep. They usually get at least approaching towards the cap. So and, uh, and I think next after this year, there's a lot of these one year deals that are coming off the books. So there's still a lot of. I think growth in cap space. I mean, I know Syndergaard's coming off the books, and that's twenty twenty one million Upton's or so. Coming off. And then uh, I think Lorenzen's coming off, and then you know, there's so much, there's so much Upton, room yeah. still coming. And you're right, Upton's coming off. Um, there's so much money. I think there's still right now. I think lo- looking at it, there's probably fifty million dollars coming off um, this next off season. So I mean, why not get a big guy like this and get like the dream infield for the American League and MLB? Yeah. So yeah, I think that there's it still remains to be seen which team is gonna make the big splash for him. Other teams are, I think, are not out. A team like the Red Sox, Travis, have not made that many moves. They could easily move uh, Bogarts to like second base, uh, have Correa as their shortstop. You know, yeah. I, I think there's just others, other teams uh, that could kind of sneak in this race for him. Like you mentioned a while ago, the Braves, uh, if they were to trade away uh, Dansby. I don't know that they do that now that the Olsen deal is already kind of done and I finished. Think it's, I think they're done, yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, I, honestly, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not losing faith, faith in the uh, in the Yankees either. I, I feel like they could maybe think about doing something, but I mean, it, with getting Kiner Falefa and having all those infielders, I feel like it's kind of like it, it so, would be so surprising. What would, yeah, what, what would you really be looking to do? Like trade trade Isaiah again for the third time no. with like Galaber and and Voight and just have like a Rizzo, LeMahieu, Correa, Donaldson infield. It'd be awesome, but I'd be a really good team. But, but yeah, I yeah. think that the exactly what you said. I think that, you know, they have almost made their moves that make sense. Adding Correa might not make that much sense. Um I, I still I still think that a team is gonna miss out on a Freeman or something like that. And they could end up saying, you know what, let's divert our focus to Correa. Let's see what he would actually take. I'm not going to count out even a team like the Dodgers, Travis. I think the Dodgers, they just used two shortstops in the middle of field last season. They had Trey Turner playing second base. They can move him there again. Uh, I, that, Especially if they missed out on Freeman at the last minute. You know, like if they missed out on Freeman and let him go to Toronto, they might say, you know what? We are championship or bust mentality. We're going to pay Carlos, you know, maybe he'll take seven years, 300 and, you know, I, I, 40. That, yeah, I, I, I just really cannot. I, I don't know if I can even see the front office like giving respect to Correa. I, I don't know. I, I I know. I know. At the end of the day, it's business, and you could say, you know what? Let's just move on from that. But I feel like he was one of the most hated guys, as well as Altuve, a part of that whole about the whole scandal. So right. I, um, I, I saw a Dodgers fan actually tweet a couple of days ago 
um, and they said, Friedman, just do what you have to do. Screw like what the players are going to think. And it's kind of funny because I think most fans, even though some fans are going to be kind of chippy about Korea, they, 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 when, they, when he hits a home run for you, are you going to boo him? No, you're not. Like, there's no way. Yeah, and, yeah. and are the players going to, like, you know, look down on him? No, there's no way. Like, you know, when when the players Trey beat Turner him, doesn't care. He wasn't on that team. He beat him. So <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a funny point, too. But the Dodgers that even were there, you know, Bellinger and, you know, uh, Justin Turner, these kind of guys, I don't think that, you know, they probably, they probably hold a grudge towards the Astros. But to Carlos Correa, the guy, if he joined your team and now he's playing for you, are you going to hate on him? I doubt that. I think that, you know, I think that they would. It, it, it'll be, it'll if, be business first. And then we can build a relationship after that. You know, I feel like he'd be the only guy opening day. If he were to sign with them, that when his name gets announced, you would just hear silence. I think you would just hear one or two people clapping and a couple of people booing, but you would it, probably hear some boos and be really sad that a home team is booing their own player. It, it, it would be, um, it would be for, weird for yeah. past reasons. But yeah, I think that, um, I think that in reality, uh, there's still so many like yeah. wild cards, I guess, in the yeah. Korea market. Quickly going to story, Travis. I think story makes more sense for the Yankees if they're going to add another infielder. I don't think they add another infielder, but story should be a lot cheaper than Korea because they just paid Rizzo and Donaldson's contract they're absorbing too. Yeah. So I think that you know, story could be a possibility um, if they really feel like they need to add another uh, star. Um I think Story as well has a market for Minnesota, has a market for Philadelphia, has a market as well, of course, Angels. I think people also are saying he could have a market for San Diego. They could even say San Diego is going to sign him. You're going to play shortstop for a little bit. Then we're going to move you to second. Could have Cronenworth at first. you know, And then, mix of course, match, yeah. Kim, Kim can play all over the place. And then Tatis, you could really mix and match a lot of those players um, to play different spots. It'd be kind of interesting to have all those players literally playing all over the infield. So... Who knows? And, and uh, I think also if the Astros, I think I predicted this a while ago that the Astros would go for like a Semyon or a Story because I thought that Correa was out of their price asking point and maybe one of those other guys would just take the offer that they gave to Correa and said, hey, that whatever you offered him, and he said, no, I'll take that. And like yeah. Story could do that, you know. So uh, I think something like that could make sense too. So and, and I think Story could easily. I think Story is probably looking at like. Would you agree, like twenty five mil AAV? I, I mean, it's not going to be thirty, I don't think, at all. Oh, uh, I don't know. It all depends on the years, I guess. Yeah. I, I, it's it's hard to say. Um, he he did he did well a couple years for Colorado. I think in twenty nineteen he really peaked, and then he kind of just declined a little bit. And even for Colorado, that's kind of a, a surprise. Um, so I I'm really interested to see what a team would really say. Okay, I'm going to really seriously offer you this money. Story. I, I know he's definitely. Uh, the the lowest ranked guy when you look at Seager and Correa from the, all the shortstops this offseason, um, Story will get the least amount of money, and so I, I could see maybe like 150 mil uh, for, I mean maybe like six years, seven years. Who knows? he could get Matt Matt Olson money? Who knows? I mean really? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm not great when it comes to predicting that kind of stuff. At least for like those middle, you know, range contracts of like all star but not superstar guys. I I do think that. Um, I don't know. I, I thought I, th I think it's about fit. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I we'll see. We'll see where he goes. We'll yeah. see where he goes. Hopefully, hopefully, when we're recording in a week, we can have some answers and these guys can be off the board. Because you know, I hate one thing. I hate most is seeing guys go into spring training and not have a home. I feel like there needs to be a deadline. I feel like that would have been cool if the owners and players had some sort of way to have a deadline where if you're not signed by this date or like this many days before spring training starts, like 
you're just banished for the year. No, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, I, it, I get what you're saying, but this is the odd year out. Right? No, exactly. Because yeah, like, yeah, you're right. You're everyone right. had like a couple of weeks to scramble and get it together, but or less right. than that, you're one right. week. But yeah, yeah. So I guess moving down to two other guys that play, you know, play can play third base and also can play the play the outfield. That's Chris Bryant, Castellanos, two big names. Any idea where you see them going? I know we heard Bryant to Rockies, which blew my mind. And also, I think the big thing is Bryant to Seattle. That's been a really popular, um, you know, rumor going around. But Bryant and Castellanos, what do you what do you make of that? Where, where do you see these guys? Yeah, it's. I think Bryant. I mean, Brewers got to be making moves, right? I mean, come on. I mean, these I guys would, are out there. I would think that those two guys make sense for the Brewers. Um, it would add a righty to the middle of their order uh, with positional versatility. Um, especially in the case of Bryant, uh, even by even for Castellanos, you're adding a big bat to the outfield. Um, him and Yelich in the corners, uh, righty lefty. If Yelich bounces yeah. back, it could be very scary. But uh, the Rockies' rumors for Bryant uh, would be very head scratching if that you know came to be true. For both parties, <laughs> for, for I mean, because the Rockies, the Rockies really cannot surprise me. They've yeah. done too many stupid or like head scratcher things that like I cannot be. I cannot be surprised, but it would surprise me that Bryant agreed to go to a team that just has no business remotely competing for the playoffs in the near future because of a, you know, I, they have some good youth, but, um, Bryant would be eyeing 500 home runs for his career. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> stat, it, stat builders. It, yeah. it would be, a, it would be, yeah, he'd, he'd put up great personal numbers, but there would not be a lot of winning going on. And that division is going to be very competitive for their whole decade. I think, I think yeah. honestly, you're, you're right. You're the, so right. Yeah. The young, the young talent in San Diego, that's already really good. And then the giants have been super smart. The Dodgers are really good and seem to have, they can pay anyone, right? Yeah. How are the how are the Rockies going to compete? Getting Bryant would be fun for their fans. They sell some tickets and some jerseys. That's honestly maybe all the Rockies care about is just selling some jerseys. But at the end of the day, uh, they like I keep saying, if you're going to rebuild, rebuild, please don't yeah. don't spend all this money on this guy. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's confusing to me, but yeah. I, I will say I hope to see him go to a a more fun location where we can see him used in a cool role much like he was doing in san francisco i don't think san francisco gets him again i feel like they could have offered him by now yeah. if that was mm -hmm. the case um but there are, i'm sure there's plenty of fun teams that could make a bid for him maybe i mean i was gonna say the toronto blue jays because he could play third base and outfield but um i think they have plenty of righties i feel like they really need to add a lefty yeah um but who knows i mean you guys could just say screw it we're just gonna go righty heavy um yeah i again i, I point out the brewers because the brewers could desperately need a lot of these guys i mean he could play third base they can use him there he could play the outfield they can use him there you know i think i think if if the uh we've been saying this for how many months now it makes even in trades last year we we're saying it makes so much too much sense i think i think if the phillies whiff on a shortstop one of the big ones they could probably get a cheaper shortstop um i think there's already talks of like bohm being a dh or maybe being a first baseman with hoskins as a dh something okay. something like that because uh bohm is so far even though a good bat as a youngster a rookie last year um, really bad defensive numbers so far in the league. So uh, you can almost say maybe Bryant could be their third baseman. Imagine like a Harper hitting a uh, maybe two hole, three hole, either way you want yeah. it, you know, Bryant, Harper, some order. That could be a really uh, fun duo. But I think that there's a, a lot of options, people that would be interested in Bryant, but no one's pulled a trigger yet. And my, my gut for a while was the Mariners, but I think that they're out with the recent trade for Suarez and, so. and Winker. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Um, anything on Castellanos? Yeah, I, I, I teams that need outfield. Um, I, I, I just see him living in the NL Central, and I feel like, again, like sure. Brew Crew, 
it makes sense. I mean, I, I maybe he can go back to the Cubs, but I mean, the Cubs have been kind of saying they're still in for some big pieces, but I mean, which yeah. is surprising. They're down to spend money. It comes down. Yeah. He's a guy who like, uh, probably just wants to get a nice, a nice deal. This is kind of his time to get yeah. a nice deal yeah. because if he gets a nice five years here or something like that, then that would be like his prime time deal of his career. Um, I could, I don't know what the cap situation is, but like the white Sox are a team who I think could use a right fielder. If, it feels like they're literally set at every position except for maybe right field is a little bit more of a question mark. So he could fit in kind of there and just kind of complete this elite lineup, you know. Imagine yep. having him in the middle there would just be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the uh, even the Marlins were in whispers for him. Uh, they already got Avisel Garcia, but they I, I'm sure that they're down to spend a little bit more, you know. Ever since Jeter left, I think we all kind of thought that maybe they're not going to spend that much. But yeah. Castellanos is, I'm sure, in the budget if they wanted to. Um Lots of options. I could even see Phillies again. He could be left field. Harper can be right field. Lefty, righty there. I'm just trying to think of the teams that have some money to spend that have not made the big move yet. Uh, so Phillies come to mind for that reason. But Very any, true. Any, how about you? Any? I mean, it, it's just, it's. I, I always thought Miami made the most perfect choice because he's from there. And I felt like he would be a good, he'd be a nice click in Miami. But I don't know. I mean, I, again, I, I just, I don't know what to tell you with, 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 uh, with Castellanos. He's kind of just that, I feel like he's the, He's like the um, one of the one of the last ones left that can still be a good impactful player, but he's not a Freeman Correa or a Story or right. a Brian. I feel like, but we'll see. I mean, I, I again, hopefully in in a week we can figure out where he's going to be going. Um, last couple guys, Alex will quickly get through. Kyle Schwarber, Jorge Soler, most likely going to be DHs or of course outfield pieces. Kyle Schwarber has actually been really linked to going to the Blue Jays. Um, again, they need lefty bats, and he could be a good DH for that Blue Jays lineup. So Kyle Schwarber could be in Toronto. A lot of people have been saying that. And then Jorge Soler, I mean, you'd think he, that he'd be possibly going back to Atlanta. But again, if he was going back to Atlanta, I think they, they would have already signed him by now. So um, two really, yeah, interesting guys as well. But then I guess the big one too is Kenley Jansen. I mean, a guy that can still pitch and be really, really effective out of the bullpen. You'd think that teams that are needing bullpen pieces would would be attacking this guy like the Phillies and so I again I'm shocked that a guy like that is not signed yet I think there's a good shot he still goes back to the Dodgers but again I mean you 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 would have thought that they would have acted on it right now because you, you definitely would want your guys especially your pitchers to come into camp with really no um no interruptions and right now i mean kenley jensen will be going into camp with the season starting in almost less than three weeks and it's kind of like get ready you know we need you for that opening day and it's like you know most pitchers need about like they say six weeks to get get ready before the season so i'm sure he's getting ready right now on his own time but uh again another interesting one i don't know what to really say about yeah yeah it seems like relievers uh are some of the hardest to predict they kind of just end up I feel like you always see the breaking news. You're like, wait, really? Like Melanson went to like the Diamondbacks, and I was like, huh? Like, okay, interesting. All these relievers are right now going to the Phillies. Like they assigned multiple relievers. I don't think they'd spend big on on Jansen here, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn as well in terms of his market. Almost anyone would be down for like a really good eighth or ninth inning guy in Jansen. So. Um, I could see the Dodgers keeping him. Yeah. I could see him wanting to stay on a discount. I think he loves LA. I feel like, you know, yeah. his walk-up song is what, Travis? Is, is it California Love? Yeah, I'm California right. Love. Yeah. Is, or, is that is what it, it is? I think that's what it is. California, yeah. I, I'm, I'm completely lost right now. Yeah, it's the Tupac song, yeah. 
Okay, so yeah. so yeah, and and and, and, and so God. With, with with that in mind, uh, I think that you know, uh, I guess if I had to make a pick right now, I would say Dodgers. I would mm-hmm. say he stays. Yeah. Um, I think he takes a bit of a discount to try to win a, another another ring and yeah. try to stay home. Um, I'm sure he loves it there. So, uh, yeah, I, I he's a hard he's hard to pick for sure though. I think he relievers could end up honestly anywhere yeah and hopefully in a week we'll have more news and that was kind of a uh hopefully kind of a quick little breakdown of these guys but yeah i mean you just hope that these dominoes affect you know really fall i hope that we can see one guy go and then you could just see the rest of them kind of go off the map to see kind of what they're going to be getting but um i think like the biggest news the biggest signing of course was the extension of matt olson that of course was um i guess the biggest the really big uh, news when it came to uh, involved contracts and money that we've seen in the past couple of days. So, you know, Braves are, are, are working on, on their deals. And so we'll see if maybe they can get some other people as well. But Alex, let's kind of turn it over to, uh, you know, kind of the second half of the podcast right now. This episode is going to be ranking these positions um, going top 10. We're going to be going from first base, second base, third base, shortstop, kind of just giving our put on input on how we see these players ranking up i know me and you of course kind of have different metrics and different styles of ranking these people um definitely you know you could definitely look at the last season being a huge huge factor which i think it should but also looking at maybe the last couple seasons if some guy was a rookie had a really good season um he could crack the list but maybe not be very very high because maybe you want to see a little bit more success before you can rank him seriously like inside the top five or top three or something like that but alex let's get it started right now um we will start with the first base spot again we'll be going through different positions in later episodes uh next week and then of course the last week before the season um we'll be going and diving into all that stuff but let's go with first base alex we can definitely start with 10 through uh 10 through 6 kind of start from bottom to top that way we're not going to spoil anything but uh give me your 10 through 6 and then i'll give you mine of course we can discuss okay so just a quick quick preface on like my yes yeah on what i look at what i'm looking for i made a little short little small spreadsheet um on some of these guys and what i'm really focused on first and foremost is um you know what you did last year is important to me yep. but i'm really kind of focused on what i think you're going to do next year okay. I, I, I there's definitely value to say oh this guy's been good for a while now um that matters but if i think you're about to fall off I'm going to rank you lower. Or if I think you're about to break out, I'm going to rank you higher. So the way I do that is I look at some of the projections on fan graphs and they, you know, on the bottom there, it kind of shows like what do the advanced metrics think you're going to do next year. So I use that uh, for a lot of my rankings too, but okay. I'm going to get into it. So okay. my 10 through six, uh, 10, I have a uh, belt. Okay. belt. Ninth, I have Ty France. Wow. Eighth, I have Jared Walsh. Seventh, I have Reese Hoskins. Sixth, I have Pete Alonzo. That's my 10 through 6. So. Very interesting. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead and tell me yours and we can talk. We had some similarities and some differences. But for me, number 10, I had Jared Walsh. Uh, what he's done in 2020 as well as 2021, well-deserving. Nine, I have Jose Abreu. Eight, Joey Votto. Seven, Pete Alonzo. And six, Brandon Belt. So we both have Belt, Alonzo, and Walsh in our top you know, in, in our in our bottom half of the bottom five. So, you know, I'm not really going to get mad about ranking how we did of that. They're definitely uh, top 10 players. They could be anywhere with those. Um, tell me about not providing a Abreu or Votto. So, yeah, uh, the reason, so Belt, I can tell why you're high on Belt because he put up 
some monster numbers. games, they were impressive last year, yeah. Yeah, and then the year before as well, the short season, those two years combined, he really, I think it's like a top four in like WRC plus, OPS mm-hmm. plus numbers. He's like top four in baseball for yep. those last two years yep. combined. Um, the reason why he's only 10 for me is he had 97 games played. There was some injury stuff there, but also they use him in a platoon fashion. They use uh, a lot of uh, righties versus lefty bat- lefty pitchers, and then they use lefty hitters versus righty pitchers. So he's only kind of seeing righties for the most part. That's not true 100%, but he really is facing a lot more righties than lefties. They will pinch hit him in bad matchups for him, and they will put him in for favorable matchups. So I think his numbers are sort of getting boosted for that reason. So I, t- I brought him down a little bit because he's not – you know, Walsh is out there, Travis, literally every single game. Mm-hmm. He could not afford to be pinch hit for against lefties because we had no one else, right, from yeah. the Angels. He yeah. had to be playing, you know, starting every time. Once Pujols left, he was first baseman through and through. So um, for that reason, I gave a guy like Walsh a bit more credit. Um, so, yeah, guys like Belt and France, for me, being higher than Votto and Abreu, um, that kind of comes down to how they project. I think that uh, Votto had a really good um month <laughs> well he had a great amazing phenomenal month he had a really good I think, july yeah. ch- change of approach um last season he really you know he's been famous for his you know amazing on base his amazing discipline but he kind of sacrificed some contact for some power and you know had a big monster home run explosion at one point in the season but i do think that the age still catches up to him um, he's projected to be at about a maximum of a 2.5 uh, Fangraphs war next season, uh, whereas a guy like o- o France is actually up at like a 3.3. So I think that like uh, the age on Votto might end up, you know, he's going to become in a couple of seasons an average first baseman, yeah. and eventually he'll be not good enough to remain in the league. Yeah. So that time might come sooner than later. So I have him uh, just off the list. He definitely has a very good case to be in the list, but he did not make mine. Abreu Travis is someone who I've always always thought was a bit overrated especially just because he got so much love for the 2020 2020 mvp bro come on i honestly think he didn't deserve that award Um, well i mean i I, yeah i think there's there's good good case for jose abreu that year or sorry jose ramirez that year um also shane bieber uh was a a monster of course like we said 60 games if you kind of can pick whoever um small sample size but uh looking at the projections for even a Brayu too uh kind of similar to a guy like walsh uh or france for the projections but um yeah i i just think that he gets boosted too much because he's in the middle of this really good lineup gets yeah. tons of rbis leads at baseball and rbis sometimes but um i think that in terms of the, the, the true talent what he's actually producing i don't i don't love it okay. um uh, and then tell me about you having uh, Votto and Belt up at like six, seven range, right? Yeah. So I, Alonzo six or Alonzo seven and Belt six. I think for me, Belt. I looked at, of course, the the last two seasons. You almost combined that. It is it is some scary first base numbers. Yes. I really really appreciate those numbers, especially playing at Oracle Park, which it is not very uh, friendly to hitters. So I had him that high. Pete Alonzo two. I think he honestly, Alex, three seasons right now. He has like hundred and six home runs uh in his uh in his career so he's off to a tremendous start pete alonzo i think will still have a great season coming back this year um and then i think the big one that i added on was jared walsh really excited for uh what he was able to provide this year and of course at the end of 2020 so i think that that really uh shapes him up to have a really good 2022 so really excited to see what exactly he could bring to that so um 
with all that, I mean, that kind of sums up, I guess, our bottom five for the first uh, for the first baseman. We'll go now to the top five, one through five, Alex. Um, I'll give you my five, and then, of course, we can discuss. I'm sure we probably have the same five. It'll just maybe be the different order. But number five, I had Paul Goldschmidt. Four, Max Muncy. Three, Matt Olson. Two, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And number one, I still have Freddie Freeman as the number one first baseman in the league. Give me your top five. Yeah, you're right. Same five guys. I what's one of the easiest, like this has to be your top five in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Um, but the order will change for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, my yeah. fifth is gonna be Goldschmidt, just like you. Fourth is Muncie, just like you. Three, I'm actually going with Freddie Freeman here. Nah, I knew you would. <laughs> I, I, I also will say I knew you'd have Freeman first, so we can talk about that. But second, Olsen, and one is gonna be Guerrero Jr. Okay. Already for me being the best first baseman in baseball just based off what he did last season and what I think he will do next year. So just getting into the basics, um, projected at a five and a half to a six war next season is Guerrero Jr. by most uh, projection systems. Um, Really exploded in all offensive categories, was elite in walk percentage, was really good at K percentage. So he's not only walking a lot, but he's also avoiding strikeouts. He actually is good at putting the bat on the ball, not just swinging for the fences, can really put the ball all over the field, as well as hit tons of home runs. Of course, was in that home run race. Um, uh, some of his uh, average exit velocity numbers are, you know, it's over 98. It's like percentile. It's 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 top 2% in almost all offensive categories for him. So Guerrero Jr. makes the number one for me. I don't really, you know this, I'm not like super big on like how long have you been doing it. Yeah. I think last year he proved it. I um, don't need to be, I don't need to see it again. I know Understood. he's, I know he's going to be this guy. That, that, that's, that's my opinion. Understood. Olsen and Freeman for me was kind of close. I went back and forth for two and three. Um, it came down to Olsen, I think is rising and Freeman, I think is falling. So I'm just going to go ahead and say next season, the flip happens and Olsen is going to be a bit better. The war projections are, uh, about the same, uh, and the WRC plus projections are actually about the same, very comparable players. They're going to be, um, a slight F war advantage for Olsen last season, um, they're very similar players. Just the fact that one is younger and, and I think is still getting better. I'm going to pick Olsen for number two. Okay. Um, Muncie and Goldschmidt, I think we both kind of agree on them. They're just super good players, very solid players. Muncie, I think before his injury, if he kind of finished strong and had a really good postseason, he'd have a chance to be up there in that top three or maybe even like top two. Yeah, yeah. But, um, of course, injured, want to see him back healthy. And then Goldschmidt, um, is you you love talking about how Goldschmidt is super kind of this underrated guy who uh, just brings a lot to the table, a great just all around hitter, does it all at the plate, also a good glove at first. So um, talk to me about why you still have that love for Freeman at first, and uh, you know how the yeah. best stacks up. Yeah, for me, so for me, for Vladdy Guerrero Juniors, probably if you had if I just if I just say who's the best hitters on the on out of the first baseman, Vladdy's gonna be the best hitter of of this whole list. For me, I don't want him at number one just because I want to have the most probably the best complete player at number one i think freddie freeman brings a more complete player to the game vladdy still i think has some work to do on the defensive side i don't want him at number one i'll have him at number two best bat though out of all the first basemans matt olson i think he's just he the top three are definitely i would say in a class of kind of their own i mean max muncie is definitely kind of creeping among them but the top three i think are definitely an easy top three uh freddie freeman for me alex since 2019 
uh, out of every first baseman in the game since 2019, first in on base, first in slugging, first in OPS plus, first in runs created, and first in war. And actually, an interesting stat I saw Sorry, today that as well. Sorry, since when? 2019. Okay. So pretty much two full two full seasons and a half season. Got it. Um, that's what he's been ranking on first baseman. So he's been absolutely on a tear for the past three years. Um, and actually, one really interesting stat since 2016, Alex, Freddie Freeman first in MLB in runs created since 2016. He leads Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, Charlie Blackman, and Nolan Arenado. So again, I, two kind of interesting stats I saw earlier today, and I was just really thinking to myself, man, I mean, Freddie Freeman still got it. Um, He's been super durable. I'm sure he that's has. why that that WRC or sorry the runs the runs created number uh, you mentioned. Um, he's out there every day playing first base, stays on the field, um, doesn't miss big stretches of time like some other guys. So I do think that you know that's a great thing to have on his cap this season. Guerrero Jr. and Olsen all super durable. So that's why that you know their top three feels like a super set. Interesting top three. Interesting interesting to see what Matt Olsen can do now playing you know back home. Also, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a repeat season. I think he easily takes that spot. Back-to-back seasons of those absurd numbers hitting. Um, it, it's it's I, I can I can let the defense slide a little bit more. Um, but who knows? Maybe, might be playing third base. Might have to have this list for third base uh, next year. But You're right. Uh, that that's our that, that's basically our top ten. Pretty similar list. Had a couple guys off and on um, towards the end, but it looks like our top five were were all the same players, just in different orders. Um, for that so if you want to move on to second base we can i'll let you start off first alex uh 10 through 6 second base for top 10 right now okay yeah this one for me was definitely very tricky it was um like i extremely i, yeah. I pretty much wrote down all the names i thought have a chance to make it right and i kind of wrote down some numbers on them you got you got to write down like 13 it, and then you got to like cross off the ones that are like i can't see you man. but for yeah. this i had like 17 or 18 deep. Really? i had to start really? crossing a lot okay. of them off okay. um tough tough choices so 10 i have tommy edmund okay uh and i'm sure there's gonna be surprises here for both yeah. of us yeah. nine i have dj lemayhew eight i have jorge polanco who has time at shortstop but last season lost yeah. second base um seventh i have ozzy albies and sixth i have jonathan india Okay. Who used your 10 through 6? So 10, I uh, went with a little angel. I went David Fletcher. I figured, yeah. Um, Fletcher, only reason, probably one of the best defensive guys on this list. I just, I, I love I, the fact. I, I personally think he's the best defensive second baseman he, in baseball. He, he, he right now just provides an element. Plus, I just think he has a value to him that maybe really can't be measured. I just think that he is a, he's a player I feel like every team strives to have where it's almost like kind of like that Alex Caruso guy for the Lakers. It's like, you're not going to get a lot of headlines, but you really do help that team in a big way. You play solid defense for him. He kind of had a little bit an if uh, hitting, hitting streaks last year, he was hot and then he was cold, but he was really hot when he was on that on base uh, or on that, on that hitting streak. I think it was in June, but um, I'm looking for him to come back again, be a really good, he's a really good contact player, really good defense. I like him 10, um, number nine, I have Jorge Polanco. Number eight, I have Whit Merrifield. Number seven, I have Jonathan India. And number six, I have Jake Cronenworth. Okay. So that is my bottom five for that, Alex. Um, looks like we had Polanco, we had India, and I think that was it so far. So I had Fletcher, Merrifield, and Cronenworth. Um, and I'm sure some of the guys you said I might have, you know, later on, later on and, on the list. And, but. and same vice versa. Just a quick commentary. I think that like Edmund and Fletcher for me are that was the decision that kind of came down to. Like, uh, I, I love Fletcher's defense, 
and he's one of my favorite players. Yeah. I have his jersey hanging in my closet right now. <laughs> but but uh, you're wearing it right now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, he just had such an inconsistent season at the plate. Like you said, he started out ice cold. He was batting like 200. And it's like all you do is hit for contact. And his his if, if you're hitting 200 yeah. and all you do is hit for contact, you're just pretty much doing defense and nothing. On base is nothing to even like Fletcher is is that player that his OPS and OPS plus will be awful every season but that's of course he's not that kind of player he's going to be a guy that's going to be batting 290 300 with great defense and that's really all we kind of look for so and and with that in mind um the inconsistency inconsistencies last year I went with a guy like Tommy Edmond to make my top 10 instead Edmond actually surprisingly projected to be up at like a, a two to like a three and a half war wow um and he plays really good defense, but the WRC plus, the OPS plus is supposed to be around 100 next year. So a bit better than a guy like Fletcher um, in that regard, uh, bringing different things to the table, I think. Um, and then quickly to mention, um, actually, I'll wait for you to give your top five. Then I'll talk about this player. Let's go to top five. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay. So my top five, starting at five, I have Jake Cronenworth, who you already mentioned. Number six. Yeah. Uh, four, I have Jose Altuve. Three. Marcus Semien, two, Cattell wow. Marte, who has played center field last year, but yep. next season projected to be a second baseman. First overall, pretty surprised, I have Brandon Lau. Give me your top five. <laughs> you know what? I will say I'm glad you gave some respect to Brandon Lau. So my five, uh, number five, I have Cattell Marte. Um, I think I have – he should be a little bit lower. He's still an exciting player. I think with playing – different positions and also missing a lot of time last year it kind of hurt me when ranking him yes. but he's a guy that honestly you could have him number one and i wouldn't i mean if you had to make a list and and, and take all these players if you got to tell marte that, that that's a great yeah, pick to yeah have. if you're doing like a draft for next season he oh, could go first on this list easily yeah. easily easily so could tell marte for me number five ozzy albies number four um i kind of I'll, I'll skip the commentary for everybody all these players we'll talk about it after number three brandon lau um Alex, the power he's provided the last two years, it, it's been something uh, to really be recognizable. So Brandon Lau is number three for me. Two, Jose Altuve. I think he had a good bounce back year last year, was very impressed with it. So I have him number two. Marcus Simeon, number one. Um, I think we ranked him number one on our second baseman, on our all second baseman team. It was yes. really kind of, I, I think it wasn't really that close. He was easily the guy when you hit 40 home runs at second base. Um and play good defense and have a great war, you know, you're, you're going to be the guy right there. So Marcus Simeon, number one, but yeah, let's talk about the uh, elephant in the room. Marcus Simeon three for you. Yep. And then, uh, Brennan Lau number one. So why Brennan Lau? So, yeah, uh, I, I totally respect the Simeon pick because he was, uh, it was his year last year. There's no doubt. And he is actually projected to have the highest, uh, Fangraphs war of any second baseman, even next season. But for Lau, I just love so much of the kind of other numbers that I'm seeing on his page. He's projected to be the highest WRC plus, highest OPS plus going into next season. Um, overall, Travis, some of his some of his uh, percentages uh, are just incredible. Um, last season, of course, we know he had the power, but I have a feeling it's going to continue because he is a really good uh, walk percentage. He is a really good slugging percentage. Um, he's 88th percentile in, uh, barrel percentage, which means he just scrying wow. up on the ball. Uh, he's hitting it for high exit velocity, hitting it at the ideal launch angle. Um, so advanced stats really like him and the counting stats last season really liked him too. Cause he hit a lot of home runs and was a big part of a really good team's offense. So I think that Lau is 
you know, not necessarily the future of the position, but I think he is uh, a contender to be the best second baseman in the next couple seasons. Um, the defense might leave some to be desired, um, which definitely is a factor for second base. Defense is a kind of a, defense is kind of important there, yeah. but um, I think the bat was so good that um, I was okay to sacrifice a bit. Um, other differences, yeah, Semyon down at three. I just think that uh, I made my case for Lau already. For Cattell to be above Semyon, I'll say I had Semyon two until the last second before yeah, I moved and on. Cattell was number two for you? Yeah, Cattell okay. was second and Semyon was third. I had them switched before. Okay. And Altuve was fourth? Is fourth, okay. yeah. Okay. So I, I ended up switching up Cattell above Marcus Semyon just because I think that Marte kept getting hurt and yeah. he still put up monster numbers. If he can just be healthy for a season and have the numbers be consistent, he be, he, be he's going to be one, a, one, one or two. Yeah. And, and, and I think he's going to be an MVP contender. So uh-huh. um, with that in mind, uh, I just think that uh, going into the next season, I'm going to, if I had to, if I was doing a fantasy draft, I'd probably pick Marte over Semyon. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, that kind of informs inform my pick of saying who I think is going to be better next season. I'll go Cattell two, Semyon three. Altuve was four. Like you said, good offensive year, actually kind of, a little bit more power than ever before yeah. kind of sacrificed some average for some power helped his wrc plus numbers helped his you know a very solid war from him um and then yeah i also want to touch quickly on albies yep. because i had him at seven you had him in top five four yeah um, fans have him at number one <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> yeah fa- fans i know fans kind of i think fell in love with him with 30 home runs at the second base spot but looking at his numbers looking at his hitting numbers alex i think the ops plus for the past two seasons, at at least, the OPS plus has been it's like average. It, it's literally like one hundred and seven. You know, yeah. it, it, he's not. It's like you're a good offensive player for yeah. a second baseman, yeah. but compared to some of these other guys, he gets hyped a lot. You're a yeah. much weaker hitter than some of these other guys. Yeah, which is fine. It's like I'm not like I don't want to destroy the guy, but like you're you're you know you're a solid hitter. You have a five tool element to you. You, you play good defense. You steal bags. Good, um, good, uh, good lefty power, or uh, yeah. you know, batting from the right side. He has good power against lefties. So I, you know, I think, I think honestly, he could become like one of the best first, second baseman in the game on my list if he only batted from the right-handed batter's box because yeah, yeah. <laughs> his numbers are com- for those that don't know he's a switch hitter and when he bats in the left-handed batter's box against righties his numbers are significantly worse and i think when he was like a young prospect in training like you know uh like 16 or younger like he was trained to be a switch hitter by the braves i think they made that decision like we're gonna make you a switch hitter I would throw in the towel on that. I would just say <laughs> back from the righties batter box and see what happens. And for those that don't know, in the World Series last year, I think it was World Series or the or the CS, but I think it was a World Series. That's right. He literally, for the first time that I've ever seen him against a righty, stayed in the righties batter box. He did not go the for this. He did not go for the switch <laughs> hit. So it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. How is it that in the World Series, it's like, okay, it's time to try this because I'm slumping. It's yeah. like, dude, like the biggest just, stage. Just yeah. commit that, commit to that for the whole season. Yeah. Get, get get used to it. Get good at it. But anyways, um, for me, a few tweaks he could easily rise up on my list. But um, I still think that there's just a bit more uh, growth to be had. I have him below guys like India and Cronenworth, who I think are like better walkers. Um, both of them pretty solid defenders. India actually had a good defensive numbers. India actually surprisingly has uh, like 86 percentile sprint. He's actually really fast. He, he's faster than Albies, according to uh, according to uh, Baseball Savant, which is definitely interesting. But um, I think India is another guy like Lau who could be like a, a future of the position kind of guy. Um, I imagine he'll be top five for me next year if uh, he continues to improve on his rookie season. Yep. But 
um yeah i'm excited for some of these guys next season um it feels like it's funny it's like a lot of young guys and then you just have Altuve and Sammy and trying to keep up with like some of these youngsters so it, it, it's a fun group of guys i'd say exactly exactly so um good I'm, list second base i'm was, sorry uh, one, one more thing did you have would you have dj did you have him at all no no, no. okay well so, uh, he was a surprise on your list i was gonna point that out dj yeah yeah uh Overall, I understand not including him. The offense took a big slip last year, but uh, he's still projected next season for like uh, two to like three and a half war. Uh, we'll see, you know, where he ends up. If, if you told me next season he's going to be a hundred OPS, like an average hitter, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, we'll have to wait and see for him, I guess. Definitely, definitely. So that kind of wraps up second base. Um, we'll now move to the hot corner, Alex. Cool. Third base. Uh, give me your ten through six at the hot corner sounds good and i'll just i'll just i'll just preface by saying it's it i will say the left side gets a gets a little bit it gets a little more fun because it's it's stacked it's incredibly stacked i think i think third base and we'll get to right field in another episode but i think third base and right field are just the two deepest positions at the top as well as like just getting 10 guys there are two guys that are not on my list here that are the 11 and 12 technically yeah that i feel criminal for leaving them off because they're really good players Uh but yeah but 10 I'll go Austin Riley. Okay. Nine, I'll go Matt Chapman. Eight, Nolan Arenado, which is going to hurt Travis's heart. We'll talk about that in a second. Seven, seven is Josh Donaldson. Oh, this guy's an idiot. And six is Yohan Mancada. Wow, Mancada. Okay. So go ahead and tell me your bottom five. Mancada is off the list. He did not make the top 10. So for me, number 10, I have Bringer of Rain, Josh Donaldson. Number nine, I'd same as you, Matt Chapman. Eight, I have... Chris Bryant. So I rank Chris Bryant as a third baseman on this list. We might have some different discussions. We'll we'll talk about it. I'm but, good with that. Okay. So Chris Bryant, number eight. Number seven, Austin Riley. Number six, Anthony Rendon. Got it. So that is my bottom five for third base. Alex, we'll kind of discuss this. Um, we won't talk about Arenado yet because we'll that, save that'll it, be yeah. a good conversation. Uh, let's. I, I guess. Austin Riley not making the top five. That's something we both, you know, really felt was uh, needed. Had a had a really good war last year, but I know that he still, I think, has a lot of things to work on in his entire game as a third baseman. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, glad we still see him as like a bottom, uh, bottom it's, top it's, ten it's guy. It's too stacked at the top. Yeah, uh, and Travis, you're right. I, I'll go ahead and say like I'm glad we agree he's like not in the top five yet. I think if you have him in your top five, which I think. When the fan vote comes out, he will be top five because there's this crazy bias we get towards like the World Series winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though his numbers, hey, are, hey, hey. He's, he's all MLB third baseman. So, yeah. which is because yeah, he was fans. the World Series winner. He got all this bias. But Travis, his numbers were not even that incredible in the playoffs. He had some really big hits. He's a big really doubles, good. Yeah. He's a really good player. Yeah. I don't want that guy taking away from him. Being top ten on this list is really special because there's so many good names. I ha- I'll just say I have him over Chris Bryant and Justin Turner. Okay. Those are my 11, 12 yeah. that I said are really good players that um, I thought should have been on this list, but they can't because it's too stacked. Interesting so, with Turner. I was going to say we did not have him, and that was someone that I kind of thought about, but I just felt it. This list he is still, too. He still walks a lot. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's a really good bat. Still, he's in the heart of a Dodgers lineup that's contending for World Series. He's still fifth or six in the lineup you know he's still going to be a, yes. a, in a good spot so yeah you're right. and, and and so uh, all that being said i don't want to sound like i'm hating on riley i just think that austin riley um if you have him top five i'm gonna say you don't know ball you don't because, know ball yeah. because uh yeah it just, it just there's just other guys who produce more either defensively with the bat uh combined like a guy like arenado or chapman where they have a 
this huge defensive component to their game, or a guy like Mankata who's going to walk way more than Riley, um, and also hit for very similar kind of pop. Um, not the same home run totals, but you know the exit velocity and stuff. It's all there for Mankata. I'll talk about Mankata. I'll talk about Mankata now because you okay. didn't have him at all, right? Yeah, not so, at all. He was a guy who was a thought, but I just yeah. Six. I'm. I'll, I'll say six. I'm surprised he is that high for me. Um, but he had a four point five Fangraphs WAR, which is like top. It's like it's third best amongst third basemen last year. Um, so really, really solid in that regard. Um, his uh, his walking is off the charts yet. I think he was leading actually the American League in on base for like a short amount of time last season. Um, he's really good in terms of uh, walk percentage and his max exit velocity is 91st percentile, which just means that he is like top 10% in all of baseball when it comes to how hard is your hardest hit ball. So his raw power is off the charts. If he can tap into that a little bit more, he could be, I honestly think like a 40 home run guy, if he can put that part of his game together. But even without it, even just being like a 20 home run guy or whatever, uh, you're still getting tons of walks, really good defense, good at running the bases, kind of five tool, maybe four and a half tool until that power really comes all the way through. But um, his raw power is off the charts as well. So I really think that he is destined to be top five on this list, but he's not there for me yet, of course. For you not having Amon, um, I kind of get it because um, a lot of the numbers aren't super sexy, but tell me about why he's not on your list, I guess. Like, who, who, why'd you go Donaldson and other guys over him? Yeah, I still think um, Donaldson was still, he had some injury bugs last year. Almost, you know, I think he still had about 26 home runs last year, still provided a good pop. I think if he played a full season, he would be over 30 home runs. Um, I still think he still plays a solid game. And I think that even with this year looking forward, I think he'll still. Uh, have a very good productive year. So I have him at number 10. I think Chapman, uh, we both have nine because Chapman, of course, one of the best fielders in the game. Um, he has to be on this list just for the defense. But I think he batted 210, Alex, last year, and his war was not very good because his offense was just so poor that it, it it's it's still kind of a, I'm not going to say a miracle is on this list, but you know that's why he's so low because if he could bring his offense back, not a guy that, does, that walks a lot, but if he could at least provide 30 or something home runs, then you could see him more as being a threat on this list. But um, he ranks low for me. Um, and then, of course, Riley and Bryant. You know, Bryant, of course, being still a good player, but uh, playing a lot of different spots. Uh, I still want him to be on this list. I still think he's he's worthy of it, but I think he's bottom tier uh, in the eights. But, uh, yeah, Mankata, I just... Um, he's not there for you yet. Again, like you said, the numbers are not very... They're not They're not sexy enough for me. I think he had 14 home runs last year. I think he batted like 260-something or something like that. So still a good, productive player, but I think that some of these players I would... Um, I would like to see, you know, I, I think I'd like to see him on my team more than him. So that's how I kind of, I, I rank my bottom five, but uh, really interested to see on the top five, Alex, who you got. So um, I guess you start first with five, only going down to one. So sounds good. Five, uh, going with the breakout man from last year, Rafael Devers is my fifth guy. Uh, fourth, um, it's going to be Anthony Rendon, okay. someone who obviously slumped last year. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, third, I have Alex Bregman. Um, I'm surprised he's this high because last year, on the surface, kind of a weaker year in terms of his yeah. career. The last two years, I mean, 2020 was still a. I, again, 2020, I'm not going to blame anyone. You know that sure. you have a you have a 14 14 day boot camp before the season starts and you play 60 games and you're expected to perform. You know, I'm not going to really get down on any anybody for having a bad 2020. So, and so with that in mind, um, I'm really surprised by his projection for next season. 
on Fangraphs is as high as a 5.6 war, okay. um, which would be second best next season compared to the other projections. So uh, he, for me, is end up being third. Second, I'm also surprised, Manny Machado yeah. okay. climbed my list in a big way. And first, I think, I'll see who you got, but I think Jose Ramirez has to be the unanimous mm-hmm. pick. So uh, give me your five and we'll talk. So yeah, we're uh, we're in agreement on one. Uh, Jose Ramirez, I think he's been he's been good for the last two years. He de- definitely deserves it. But my five, I had number five, I had Bregman. Uh, again, kind of just a uh, interesting last couple two years. So I, I think that 2019 was such an incredible year that it's kind of fading away in your in your memory. Um, hopefully he can rebound and get back to his old self. So he's number five, number four, Devers. Um, I can't have him anywhere else. I think higher just because the defense is a liability with him. He's a tremendous hitter. Um, he's like an old school third base. There's no running and there's no yeah. fielding, but, the I guess the, uh, possibly the, the, could be the, one of the best hitters on this list. The power right now. is some of the best in the list. And so Devers is number four for me. Number three, I have Machado. So kind of just like you, Machado is in the top three for us. Number two, I have Nolan Arenado. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But number one, I have Jose Ramirez. Um, Alex, last year, the power, the 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 pure hitting, the stolen bases. I mean, he's kind of just an all-around great third baseman right now, and he's taken that rank. For so long, I've had Arenado number one, but I think this year, uh, Jose Ramirez has to top him for what he did in 2020 um, in the second half of that like 60-game season. And then, of course, last season, me and you both had him uh, as our all-MLB third baseman. But um, that kind of wraps up my list. I know Machado, uh, very similar, me and you. You have him two, I have him three. Devers, I have him uh, four, you have him five, I believe. And then yeah. Bregman, you have him four, I three. believe, three. And then uh, I have him five. So still kind of very similar, uh, good spreads between one another. But yeah, the big one is, uh, is Nolan. Nolan Arenado. I think you had him number number eight. eight. Yeah. Eight. So tell me again, um, why that uh, happened? So uh, yeah, obviously, uh, for the folks that don't know listening, me and Travis have always uh, discussed like who's the best third baseman now because it, it's it's been so stacked the last few years, and he has always been an Arenado guy, and I always known that, and he always knows that I'm not as hot on him. I'm surprised to see him as low as eight, I will say, but um, I'm just I think that the you know I don't know if decline is the right word, but I think that you know decline is kind of here and it's coming. I think he's thirty, if I'm not mistaken. He's, he's been in the league for almost 10 years. So, yeah, he's, yeah. I think he's 30, maybe going on 31, something like that. Um, I think that, you know, last year his WRC plus was 113, which amongst third basemen was, you know, it's below guys like Riley. It's below guys like Bryant. It's even below guys like Justin Turner. Guys who, I you know, I have are not above some of those guys because um, I give so much respect for his glove. His gloves to help him get up to a four in Fangraphs for last year. Four war is, is a really good player, but... You're just not on my top five third baseman uh, this year because it is such a stacked position. Um, next season, Travis, he could be an MVP vote getter, or he could just do what he did last year. And if he does what he did last year, I think then I think everyone would have to kind of agree that he's not top five. I think he has to bounce back to kind of uh, confirm in the top five for people. Um, yeah, I think that I'm just kind of thinking that what happened for him last season and even in the 60-game season, I'm thinking it's more of a trend of his future, whereas Bregman, on the on the contrary, even though also a bit of a slump in those two years, I think that there's still a lot more youth there. Uh, Bregman also in his hitter-friendly park still, whereas Arenado just left his hitter-friendly park and hit a slump. So in my mind, that kind of shows 
okay, um, is he going to be the same guy going forward? I'm not sure. He could easily have an offensive explosion, kind of like LeMahieu did in 2019, leaving Coors. But um, I do think that what we've seen from Donaldson last, sorry, uh, Arenado last season will be indicative of his future a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of the numbers besides the defense, just like the other kind of hitting numbers, the power has fallen off quite a bit in terms of his exit velocity and stuff like that. So um, I think the decline is kind of here. Um, I don't want to write him off because, like I said, he could be a top five MVP vote getter next year if he gets platinum glove defense and hits 40 home runs on a, on a, on a division winning team. He could be a top five MVP guy. So um, can't write him off quite yet. Um, but for me this year, right here, right now, he's not in my top five. Interesting. Okay. Tell me, tell me why you still love him despite a couple of down seasons. Yeah. I mean, of course I, again, I'm going to be judging a lot of players on, you know, your history, history. And of course your overall value as the entire entity of a player. So of course, defense best third baseman defensively in baseball, possibly even the best infielder defensively in the game right now, still winning platinum gloves every year, gold gloves every year. So I really like that. Had a higher war this season than Devers, Bregman, Rendon, Mancada, uh, Bryant, Chapman, Donaldson, all these guys I had on my list. So he still had a higher war of 4.1. Doesn't really sound too, too, really too good i think that's definitely poor for his standards of course leaving coors uh did affect him in a way in a, in a big way you know i i would like to see him get back at a better uh you know on base batting average slugging percentage all those numbers dipped definitely from leaving coors i think we definitely knew that that was going to happen um 34 home runs still I, I think a very good home run season for arenado 105 rbis pretty standard season still from him 30 home runs and 100 rbis are kind of his norm but i would definitely like to see him uh bounce back in a way where he can be more of a threat with those percentage stats because that was the only thing that was the biggest drop off that was the most concerning that's what i think made it such an easy pick to have ramirez um have ramirez number one and i think machado very very close to arenado right now because they both provide very good defense and machado had a five war last year and machado was very very good at the plate so i think machado like you said i think you have him at number two he definitely is creeping to that number two spot so arenado it's kind of a um I would definitely say Arenado has a has a has to have a season where he has to kind of bounce back because you know what I will say if this season kind of continues the way it was last year that's when I'll kind of really make my case for you know Devers will probably pass him a lot of these guys could pass him even Austin Riley could pass him if he has kind of the same season I think he had a six something war last year so um it is a season that he has to prove I think still looking back at the last couple seasons um the fielding is still you know stayed the same where it's still top notch but um the percentage stats are of course one thing he needs to pick up still of course good good amount of doubles good amount of home runs um he's a guy that i think that uh never has been big on the on base he's always swinging the bat but i think the average was one thing that he always kind of kept up that was really i guess a good point to uh have him as my number one guy i think for looking in coors i mean 2019 he still batted 315 and years prior to that every season was literally almost 294 or higher for a batting average. So he was almost batting 300 every single season. And of course that contributed to an on base at around 350. And still that's pretty good. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really knock on him there. And then of course the slugging was always uh, looking back at Coors. The slugging was always in the five eighties. It was top notch. OPS was always in the nine fifties. And so I love to see that of course, from the third baseman, but um, you knew going to St. Louis, things were going to change um, leaving Coors. So again, I still have a number two. 
I agree with you in a, in a way where it's it's still make or break for him because if 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 he cannot continue to get things up, then of course, in my opinion, he'll be getting beginning to slip. He's still number two right now, just because I think what he's able to provide solely on the defensive uh, level, and then of course, um, doubles, home runs, uh, RBI, still providing a really good uh, really good number on that as well. So. Arenado, again, he he's a guy that will be shifting as well as some of the other guys on this list. I think that will really be shifting. Um, it's always fun to see what, what these guys will look like in a year. Yeah, uh, throughout the season, we'll probably make some funny joke about like, oh, remember when you had Moncada sixth, Alex, when he's like probably doing terribly in like yeah. in like April or something, or like even that, just going off, yeah, for Chicago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, and and one last note, like. I think Machado and, and, and I and I hope Rendon can get higher on my list because oh, I have him six. It's just because I think that he's just been he's kind of been a little bit. It, he had a good 2020. He really did. I think no, people people don't like it, but he had a good 2020 um, because he was he, a little was, bit injured. He was top like 15 in MVP votes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think his OPS plus was like 154 or something like that. Good. He, he had a very good season still. Um, I think it was just kind of really under the radar. And then last year he was just forgotten hinge injuries did not perform when he was actually playing and healthy so had no pop and there was a lot of hip injuries so hopefully yeah. that's just a result of the injuries or and we, not or, or we fixed the training staff yeah <laughs> we, we actually added angels famously lots of injuries actually added a lot of training staff uh to their department um i have him at fourth rendon because the projections actually do like him next year they okay. think you know he's going to be in a three to a four war player three to a four and a half war player so We'll see how that goes. Um, last note on third base for me is Machado for me almost takes the place of who Arenado was at Coors, I think, um, because of what Machado has done with the glove being not, he's not uh, Donald's, sorry, he's not a Arenado Chapman, but he is like, I think just like the third. He's like right yeah, there, right, right next to them. Right. Elite, yeah. elite glove. Um, has the versatility where he goes and plays outfield sometimes on on super shifts and stuff like that. So uh, amazing arm on him too. But the thing that he has better than Arenado as of last season is the exit velocity on the bat. Machado actually is a hundredth percentile, meaning he's the very top percent of all players of how hard was your hardest hit ball? I think it was literally Stanton, Otani, and then Machado as like the hardest hit balls in baseball last year. Um, that for me is huge saying that he still has his power, even though he, he's still like what, 27, 28, 29 he's a young guy still. Yeah. So even though he's like getting towards that 30 number, I think the power is still completely there for him. Mm -hmm. I think he has a bright future still. I think he's got a hall of fame case to make if he can keep these numbers up. So, um, that wraps up the third base, right? Um, yeah. probably going to yeah. move to shortstop now. Shortstop last position. Um, so I'll kind of start with my top 10 or I'll start with my six through 10 and then, uh, hear your rebuttal. But, uh, for me, Alex, number 10. Um, you know, this guy will be a lot closer. Number one, when the season's over, but I had to put him at number 10, just because I think that the talent in front of him still deserves to be the level of respect. But number 10, I have Wander Franco. Um, I, I will see him in the top five, probably after in probably in September. Um, so he's number 10, number nine, Tim Anderson, number eight, Francisco Lindor, number seven, Trevor story, and number six, Bo Bichette. That's really funny. Um, so I'll tell you mine. So I have Franco in a different spot, mm -hmm. but then we went like in order. So my 10th is Tim Anderson. Okay. 
and my ninth is Lindor, and my eighth is Story, and my seventh is Bichette. So that was your nine up to six, and that's my ten up so to Frank seven. So Frank six for you. So six is actually Xander Bogarts. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, so, wow. Okay, we got we got Wander in the top five so, right now, so probably. We'll, we'll talk about Wander in a minute, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it's funny how we're such a similar order on that. But, uh, so, I mean, not much to talk about Anderson, Lindor, Story, Bichette, because we just totally agree. Yeah. I'll just give – I'm going to give Bichette, Bichette some love right now because – I'm so surprised at some of the numbers he did put up. Uh, a 4.9 Fangraphs war is some of the best you'll see from a shortstop last season. Um, he's projected to get even better next year. I think that he, uh, you know, the Blue Jays, he's a, he's such a key piece for them. He did miss some games and still got a 5 Fangraphs war. Yeah, so yeah. throw three more games on there. He could be like a 6-war player for them. That's getting lots of MVP consideration. He could be their star right there next to Guerrero Jr. in a one-two punch kind of situation going forwards. Um, so, yeah, love Bo Bichette. I'm glad you had him, you know, nice and high on your list too. Um, Lindor's a guy that's fallen off. He, right. I, I mean, I think if we were to go back to 2018, 19, Alex, um, we're, he we're, has to be we're, top we're, two. We're looking at a Lindor, Arenado, left side, yeah. I think, without a doubt, from my opinion. But, yeah. I mean, Lindor, for me, has fallen off last season. I'm not going to say it's concerning yet because I know sometimes maybe guys take adjustments and especially going to New York from Cleveland, it's going to be an adjustment adjustment. So we'll see what happens, but he definitely has been falling down. I know you had him nine. I had him eight. He um, still has the good glove. Yeah. He still can run the bases, not getting as many steals as maybe his past, but um, there's still a lot to like uh, elite defense with a really good arm. Uh, so even if the bat is no longer going to be like, oh, if it's if, if you're just gone from a 130 OPS plus to like a 115 OPS plus, your value is going to go down a bit. You're going to go down on the on our tier list a bit. But at the end of the day, you're still a top shortstop. You're still going to be on this list somewhere if you have that good of defense, that good of running. And you're still probably and providing a, sol- a solid bat. You're, you're probably still providing near four four war. You know, if yes. you can just have a solid glove and still be a uh, a, a slight above average bat. But he, yeah, he still hits the ball hard and he walks a really good amount. So um, with that stuff in mind, uh, it's okay that he uh, is, I guess, losing a bit in yeah. the average, the on base, the slugging. As long as you're still kind of uh, showing us glimpses of the old self, I guess. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So uh, moving on through one through five, Alex, I actually had Bogarts number five. I know yep. you had him six, so I had him five. Uh, pretty similar spots. But for me, Bogarts five. Number four is Corey Seager. Number three is Trey Turner. Number two, Carlos Correa. Number one, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, hopefully he gets healthy and can get back to it because it, it was funny making him number one. I know going into the season, he's he's. I think he's still one, but I feel like some people would say he's not one because he's hurt. So I can't really put him at number one, but um, that's my top five. Uh, interested to see who you have at number five. Yeah. So five, I have Wander Franco. Okay. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, four, Seager. So like kind of the, the, the streak continues of exactly. being like in a row. Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, list of the short third, stuff, yeah. third is where we, you know, we, we differ, I guess. I have Correa third. Okay. Second is Trey Turner. And first is Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay. I think those two and three even maybe two three four is like pretty interchangeable yeah a lot of really good players there um i think I, th- I think turner correa definitely provide a, a better probably a, de- a better completeness defensive, yeah depth than seager seager of course has had the moments of the bat that is probably better than everyone on this list where his bat is just i mean you, exactly you, 2020 world series and postseason was incredible but i think as um, i have tatis jr i think seager is the best bat on this list in terms of he hits for so much power yeah the bat the ball explodes off the bat the exit velocity is really good he hits the ball really hard 
Um, really he, interested to see what happens this year. He could be. He walks a ton too. Yeah. I, I mean, he could be forty home run kind of guy. We could. We. I mean, of course. I, I mean, it'd be crazy to see someone like uh, like Semyon Seager be 40, 40 home run. Oh, imagine a Midland teammates. Field. Yeah. Has probably ever, still probably still seventy five wins, but you know. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's ever happened before a forty forty Midland Field. I mean, probably not. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be. I'm trying to think. Did, did A Rod yeah. ever? Uh, maybe maybe like Brett Boone A Rod. I, I probably th- not right I don't probably, know. it's that's got to be pretty incredible but yeah uh so a- anyways uh i guess the, like we said the oh quickly on tatis he is the consensus number one easily but the injury makes some people maybe say not but i don't care because we're talking yeah. about who's the best right now and if you're saying who's gonna have the best 2022 it's probably not him because he's gonna miss yeah. some months yeah. but i think if you're talking about uh Who's the best right now? He is the best right now. The projected war for next season, he's way ahead of everyone. They have a six to a seven and a half projected wow. war, which is is monstrous. Um, yeah, he he he. I think he is. There's an argument, Travis, that he is the best raw power guy outside of Stanton in all of baseball, and he plays shortstop. So it's like that, 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 that doesn't make any sense. But crazy. But um, I guess to kind of talk about the rest, or I guess the big elephant is Franco. Five on me versus ten for you, and that is just completely because of our different, uh, I guess, approaches to ranking. I think that, like you said, Franco, you think will be five at some point this season. So for me, that means he's five right now because <laughs> I already know he's going to be five during the season. So for me. I don't really care that uh, he's only played half a season of his career so far. He put up a two and a half Fangraphs WAR in seventy games. So if you just kind of double Three that, three and a half baseball reference, yeah. So if you, if you if you just kind of if you just kind of double that, he's going to be a top MVP vote getter type of guy, even if he doesn't get that insane amount of love. Pretty crazy. Um, the way I kind of view him, I was thinking about it, and I feel like in every single like category of his like stats. You can see he's like a four stars out of five. I think he's not like an elite power bat. He's not an elite defender. He's not an elite sprinter. But but I love that. If you factor in, <laughs> if you factor in everything, he's like a four stars out of five in like every category. I yeah. think he's really like they say like master of none. Like he's got no specialty. He's just kind of good at everything, but not like you know. There's no like one thing he's known for. I think that you know as a shortstop of a team that's probably. Uh, Maybe not favored to win their division, but they won it the last two years in dominant fashion to everyone's surprise, so they could easily do it again. If that ends up being the case and he's like that lead uh, war guy, that lead probably, uh, you know, maybe not lead them in home runs, but he would be touched at the top of the list in home runs, total bases, all that kind of stuff. He could easily find himself top five MVP vote getter kind of guy. For me, um, there's a good case for Bogarts above him, even Bachet above him. But I think that he is just ready to surpass them. I think it's happening this season. So that's why I have to have him above them because I think this season he will be better. So mm-hmm. um, that's my take for him being uh, fifth. You have met 10th because you just need to see more, right? Can you explain that a little bit? Like just Yeah, I, I, I'm still blown away from the 70 games, Alex, from what we've seen, the stats, the war. It's just – it's it's incredible. The postseason he had, incredible. So um, I felt like I knew you definitely were going to go different way with Wander. I want to keep him at 10 just to, I guess, just to kind of keep him down, keep him, keep him still as like a calm presence kind of guy, because uh, he will be higher. He will definitely be higher. So I, I, I have to say he's, he's going to rise no matter what, but um, 
right now for 10. I, I think I think I just, of course, I'm, I'm still looking back at the previous seasons. Bo Bichette, what a crazy, you know, what a great 2020 and 2021 that he's had. Trevor Story, of course, still uh, being a good presence as a shortstop. Lindor, um, again, he he's trending downward. So that kind of, of course, is, I mean, Lindor and Frank are definitely going in opposite directions right now. And then Tim Anderson's kind of always been this consistent model of a, of a good contact hitting shortstop. Uh, good speed, good defense, all that kind of thing. So um, Franco, in my opinion, of course, will be rising up. I, I, I respect the way you put him at so such a high number five. I think he will be at number five. Um, and then, of course, you kind of get into that, that elite, um, I think, four through four, four and three, where you get into the Seager, Turner, Correa, Tatis. That's when it's kind of just a different different animal when it comes to the shortstops of the world. So um Kind of crazy that all these guys literally were Seager, Turner, Correa, and uh, Tatis literally in the last like year or so have all signed or have been traded or moved. So, I mean, teams have been impacted. A team will be impacted by Correa. Um, so it, 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 I, I will say one thing. Turner, besides Tatis, is a player I would probably want to have the most on this team. I think I just love the fact of the guy is so quick, so fast, stolen bases, extra base hits average you know i i feel like he is a all around i feel like he is a, a a super player i would love to have him because i know the postseason of course dodger fans i feel like they hate him for that and they're gonna don't know why they're gonna probably hate him this year for something that he does stupid but i mean he is such a i think he's such a fun player to watch i really do i mean i feel like he he's more focused on um getting on first and then you literally will see him steal second steal third and then tag up on a fly ball and score and it's like that's just manufacturing runs at such a such a cool way i I love to see that kind of way the small ball baseball getting over from first to third and then of course scoring on a ground ball or even like a fly ball so uh turner in my opinion is is a guy i i mean he'll he'll be a guy we fun to make some some mvp votes for in in vegas oh absolutely he is a high uh, contender for that travis last note on shortstop I am actually very surprised that we have the same people in the top 10 because I, yeah. I had to write like I had to write like 15 guys down like Willie Adamas. I had to think about him. No bias. Brandon Crawford. I think bias. I wrote him down. I wrote him I down wrote, because yeah, wrote the down defense too. was too. It's always really good. It's an above average bat even if it's not even if I don't like the lack of walks and I yeah. think he needs to wear glasses or something up there because he swings at and everything. defense is good. Yeah. The defense is too good. And the, you know, the power is still there. So he has to be, you know, top like 15 top, at least 20 at least. Um, but you're right about Crawford. I, I wrote him down and I, I thought to myself, you know, he had a great bounce back year in 2021, you know, and Travis, I know that you would just look so downly upon this, but I also wrote down a player who has two career MLB games. And I had to just look, at the projections for next year, because O'Neill Cruz, Travis, yeah, we were talking yeah. about before, <laughs> you're gonna go there. His his exit velocity numbers are off the charts. He's projected to be up to possibly a three and a half WAR next season. So if he can actually put a full season together and do that, then all of a sudden he's he's knocking on the door for this list as a rookie next season. If he is able to, you know, be a full season, that's true, and, and be on the field for the Pirates. Um, would, would, would he be uh, a guy you'd be looking to make a rookie of the year pick for, probably? Oh, I think definitely he has to be. Uh, part of that thought process yeah. uh, i'll have to see what the odds are of course but if he's not like top three i have to throw i throw him 10 bucks 20 bucks you know yeah, that's true see 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 what see if uh something good comes my 50 way bucks but, you know something like that yeah, yeah just 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 business decisions but uh <laughs> yeah he, he's someone who has tons of upside travis we haven't gotten to some other positions yet but like i've seen top tens 
they already have Adley Rushman as a catcher. Yeah. And I know that like for you, that's just something you would never ever do. I don't think I'm going to do it either, but like, it's just so interesting to see the different philosophies people have for these lists. Like some people say, if you're in AAA, I don't care because next season you're going to be a rookie and you're going to be top ten. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's 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 to each their own, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Um, Especially, but- a, I mean, catcher is a position I think you can easily get away with because there are like five good catchers, and then of course there kind of are some like the, the seven through ten could be a little bit dull where you might be like, you know, I don't know. This guy had, uh, you know, a great season two years, you know, like, like, like a Mitch Garver where it's like, you know, 2019 Garver was, uh, was top notch with the home runs still has good power and good defense, but maybe you're kind of like thinking, you know, I, I think an Adley could break out this season and literally just have such a bigger impact than sure. Garver will on the Rangers. So I, I totally get the, the catching position. Cause you know, it's definitely there, some some light points some, there, in some places. There's a there's a chance that like in next season or year after Rushman's already the best catcher. Yeah, so I know, I so know, uh, yeah. it, it's very fun. But so Travis, next episode next week, uh, folks, we're gonna do Wednesdays up until opening day because that'll be on a Thursday. We already have our tickets all planned out, so we're gonna do Wednesdays Wednesdays all the way up until that time comes. Um, so next week, uh, Travis and I we have a plan for. Um, I think we'll do outfield, right? Outfield, outfield yeah. and DH. Outfield, DH. That sounds good. Yeah. So, and then we'll, of course, we'll have catchers, starting pitchers, and relievers. Yeah. That'll be the week after. Yep, but next correct. week we have the games actually will have been played. We can talk about. Uh, hopefully, more signings have happened, uh, and we can talk about those. Um, Correa or Freeman? Please pick a team. Everybody wants you, so just pick and pick a team that's not in the. Uh american league west and possibly not even in the american league that, that that'd be nice too if you can maybe go you know switch out if you're not gonna go to the angels you know don't, don't, don't punish the hell us. out yeah so it sounds, sounds good to me <laughs> sounds good to me so uh yeah lots coming up uh if you made it this far thanks kind of a long one but really happy to get those lists in uh it's a lot of fun to kind of ramp up for the season in this big way talking about the exciting players going in going into 2022 but if you made it this far thanks so much um you know, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>